step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Valverde! Okay, guys, band meeting. Brett. Yeah? Jermaine. Jermaine? Well, you're obviously. Yeah, well, you're here. Yeah, well, I'm here, so why do I have to say that I'm here? Well, it's just I've got it all written down, you know. Yeah, but I'm just here, so if you can see me here, I don't... Murray, present. See, even I do it. It's just it's how we do it. Facebook of the, the B2 bomber coming over. I didn't. Uh, 
pretty awesome so it's like because it comes over the south side of the end zone that's where our seats are so it's pretty cool I actually have like the I turned around I got the video of like the big screen that with Jim Cornelius and singing then it shows the B2 bomber on the screen and then it shows up right overhead yeah and then right. I just followed it behind my head <laughs> I'll share that shit um I was there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, of your your uh, wives type of people, there's a lot of Atlanta folk at that game in the Midwest Cubs game. I heard they took over on uh, on Friday, Saturday they were all in South Bend for the Notre Dame game, and then Sunday they were back in Chicago. Um, get out of here! Atlanta yeah, get out of here! They, 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 they survived the weekend in Chicago with two narrow victories. So. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, we'll talk about a bunch of stuff. Any tra- uh, tangential kind of information you want to get going, go for it. But we got an interesting um, an interesting Thursday battle. Uh, September 14th, Thursday night. Uh, these are two teams that both need to clean it up, and that's going to be the Texans at the Bengals. Texans named today uh, Deshaun Watson as their starter, so the Savage era will last and a half. <laughs> Six X. <laughs> Here's the thing about that. Like you use the word interesting in place of shitty. Shitty. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> because we've seen Andy Dalton on Thursday night. We've seen Andy Dalton in prime time. We probably saw one of the worst games of Andy Dalton on Sunday against Baltimore. And now we get to see him against the tough Texans defense. But let's start with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, it's great. He can move around in the pocket a little bit. But his passing numbers were worse than Tom Savage's. He played check down Charlie after that first drive. In the first drive, he looked awesome. Yeah. And then he stopped sort of going downfield. They focused in on DeAndre Hopkins because they literally have no one else at receiver right now. You know, Braxton Miller didn't even see a target in that game. Jalen Strong suspended for that one week. But we'll be back in the lineup this week. We'll see if that helps a little bit. Braxton, I saw a target for Braxton Miller, but Watson threw it so far out of bounds that they probably didn't consider it a target. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Do you realize that what? Uh, I'm sorry, DeAndre Hopkins had 16 targets. I think the rest of the team had 16 targets. Yep. And Watson saved a pick six, which was kind of a pretty impressive play that he ran it down, like got away from two blocks, and was able to tackle that guy. But yeah, it's um. It's pretty. It looks pretty brutal for this offense. Well, the, the worst part is that the Lions not protecting anybody for Houston. Ten sacks they gave up. Well, Dwayne Brown on the nice. holdout is a major, major key concern. When he was in the lineup last year, it completely changed Lamar Miller's yards per carries number. He averaged nearly a half yard more per carry. Uh, when he was in the lineup, when he was out, he really struggled. That line has pretty much nothing outside of Dwayne Brown, but. Having that you know stalwart left tackle can really change an offense. So uh, if he if they somehow work out a deal, but it already looks like it's too late. We're already at you know Tuesday night going into Wednesday. Nothing's been worked out yet. He's not going to be on the field again this week. And Geno Atkins and they've got some other players there on the edge that can cause some havoc. So I'm a little bit concerned about all these players. Deshaun Watson's, you know, barely a play in two QB leagues. DeAndre Hopkins is probably a strong play uh, just because of the overall target numbers and the fact that he just looked to him early and often. The tight ends are majorly beat up, both on the concussion list. So you're looking at a guy like Steven Adams coming in, uh, Steven Anderson coming in to replace these guys, and he's still a young player who hasn't shown much at the NFL level. So you're starting two players on this side of the ball in Lamar Miller and DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, and Lamar Miller is the guy that I actually think has the best chance for success right now because, look, you have 
uh, Cincinnati, who they do have some of those good players up front, but they are missing Vontez Perfect. He's, he's suspended still, so it's Kevin Minter who's in there. So you look at what Baltimore uh, was able to do and run all over the field against them last week. So this is one of those games where I look at on the short week, you know, you, you have the problem of protecting the quarterback. You're going to need to establish the run. And so hopefully if you can do that with Lamar Miller, then you can take some pressure off of Deshaun Watson. Well, you can also do that with Deshaun Watson as well. Yeah. He's got some athletic ability and his ability to hold the backside end on zone reads. He's got he's an gonna, ankle problem, though. Yeah, maybe they are a little bit more timid with him. But they will, you know, with Deshaun Watson in the lineup, they are going to run more of those zone read concepts than they did with the statue that is Tom Savage. I mean, here's the thing with Tom Savage. He has still yet to throw a touchdown in the NFL. He has thrown more touchdown passes to the defense than he has to his own players. Like, it's bad. Like, that guy's not good. So you at least see what you have to have in this guy. But that's all I really got for the Texans. You're starting Hopkins as a wide receiver, too. You're starting Lamar Miller as a running back, too. And, you know, adjust expectations everywhere else because the receiving core, tight end core, it's beat up. The other thing, too, is that if you're looking at Watson as like one of these guys that you're thinking about, there's going to be better days ahead for him. This is a short week coming in as he's just been inserted. They didn't plan for him to be in the offense, so it's not like at least when Shanahan had RG3 that they made the decision that it was going to be RG3 and they took a lot of his old plays. They're going to have to install some plays that Watson is more comfortable running. So on a short week, that's that's not good news. And think about the way that Alex Smith performed last week and as well the way that um, uh, Bradford and Goff, there's three guys that are were probably still on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues or that you are better placed than Watt, uh, Watson any, any day of the week. So um, one thing to mention, uh, Pac-Man Jones back from his one-game suspension for this week against that defense. Uh, Bird funked out two more games, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go to Andy Dalton looking like about he, I wanted to punch the screen. I wanted to kick that fucking guy's ass. That was uh, horrible. It was terrible. It I was mean, gen- Baltimore is a stout, stout defense. I know. But Andy Dalton also did look awful. But it's a lot of that offensive line. When he was throwing, he was getting hit, and those were the ones that were intercepted. Except for that end zone target to A.J. Green. That was just a joke of a pass uh, intercepted by uh, Mosley there. So and, and Yeah, that was terrible. And isn't this, remember we were everyone was scared about losing their best two offensive linemen week one. Look at this uh, to this day, and we've talked about this many years. Offensive line is the most important part of the offense. Consistency on the offensive line and defensive line, yeah. line for defense. When you have a great defensive line or a great offensive line, you can win championships. If not, you suck. That's the problem here. You're looking at guys like JJ Watt, even if he's playing with a goddamn. Uh, bone through his finger, through the skin, and you're looking at Jadavion Clowney and other players that can put pressure on the quarterback. They probably will be a little bit short at linebacker, uh, so you can look to maybe a guy like Eifert to make some impact plays uh, because Brian Cushing suffered a concussion. They had five guys last week suffer concussions. They are going to be very, very beat up entering this game, and they are going to rely a lot on their defensive line, and that's what's really going to matter. Well, and the thing with Eifert, I I want to see him get involved. It's like him and a couple other tight ends that we'll talk about, Hunter Henry, one target for Tyler Eifert, you know, I understand everything needs to go, is going to go majorly, majorly, is that even a word? Majorly? And I'll, I'll take, I'll take the it. majority of the targets will go to A.J. Green. We understand that. But Eifert needs to be getting himself. They need to be finding a way to get him seven to eight targets a week. 
Uh, also, they played one of the toughest tight end defending teams over the last five years in the Baltimore Ravens. Houston's been tough, but now that they've got some injuries in that linebacking core, uh, lots of shuffling around at cornerback and safety uh, from last year, I, th- I think they could be a little bit softer. I think Eifert's got some room to open up that. A.J. Green, AJ Green still did A.J. Green things with Andy Dalton sucking. So I'm liking his ups, uh, his upside, even though when you look at the numbers, uh, the Texans allowed the fewest fantasy points to wide receivers in week one. But after Allen Robinson, does anybody scare you in Jacksonville? No, and, and did Blake Bortles do anything that was absolutely impressive against that defense? Absolutely not. So it, it, he's Allen not Robinson, an impressive guy. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Didn't Allen Robinson get hurt on his first catch? Basically, first catch, yeah. yes. Uh, you know, the, it, the thing that's interesting to me, though, with this matchup is what is going on with the Cincinnati backfield? This is like the worst nightmare that you could possibly no, have. There, there's a lot of these three-pronged backfields in the NFL right now, and they are awful for fantasy. They are wreaking havoc on fantasy right now. So, <laughs> we're talking Joe Mixon, who we think has the highest upside. Jeremy Hill, who, if they get into the red zone, looks like the red zone back. And Joe Bernard looked fully back last week. He looked like the back-to-own because of potential game script issues, you just got to get the ball out of Andy Dalton's hands into this guy's hands, allow him to make plays. So if I have to start one of them, it's Bernard, but I'm avoiding it if at all costs. So Joe Mixon, you're just going to have to wait and see. You're going to have to wait for something to break. And that's unfortunately what I thought could happen. Like, And that's always the risk, right, when you're drafting a rookie running back who has not gotten the job solidified ahead of time, not like Leonard Fournette, okay, Fournette was known as the guy, Cook and, he, and you and saw it. Right, and those guys got over 20 carries. Now, then you get all these other guys, and, and all the other rookies are getting, oh, eight carries here, maybe 11 carries here, seven carries here. It takes time for them to establish themselves in the office, especially when you had two yeah. veterans like Bernard and Hill there. So, I, I'm again, uh, I'm with you. If I had to flex one of them, it would only be Bernard, and it would only be in a PPR league. Uh, I, I otherwise, I, I'm avoiding it unless I'm in a, just a touchdown league and you take a chance on Jeremy Hill. That's all I got. Is Ross out? Do you guys know? Uh, it sounded like he was returning to practice late last week, so he could be back in. But right now, I need to see more from this team to give him you know, potentially an option. Like He's not fantasy relevant enough for me at this time. But could he help the other team? I agree. He does, they, he, Dalton's not going to have enough time to throw the ball downfield to him, but hopefully he can open it up. Because right now you got Boyd and you got um, uh, what's his name, Brandon uh, LaFell, Brandon LaFell, LaFell. who are not going to help out uh, my AJ Green. Um, all right, let's go on that game. I think here's what happens, and I'm just going to say this quickly. Week one every year, craziness happens. It's a maddening thing. Teams look like they're absolutely terrible. And then the next week, kind of things normalize out. I think both these teams are going to be kind of normal, normalize out again. I don't think – I think there's plenty of warts and worries on all of them uh, across both sides. Um, but I can just see this being maybe two feudal teams that need a matchup against each other. And one. I think it could be – there's going to be – Let's just say this. The Bengals aren't going to score zero points. No, and that's almost the benefit. I almost like the Bengals more on this because you're not relying on a rookie quarterback. You're not relying on all these things. You do have a veteran guys who have been with each other for a while. So I'll take my chances that they're going to have a bounce-back game. Andy Dalton's not going to throw four interceptions. and uh, you know. He, I don't know. We'll I can't go that, out that, like, you he, don't may, think, he may get sacked three times. I'll, get, I'll give him that. I don't know if he's going to get sacked five times. You don't, you don't think Houston's mad about the way they played on I 100% understand. to a Blake Bortles-led team, to a team that had zero fantasy points when the other team had 28? 
destroyed. They got destroyed that game. They got it was an ugly game. And everyone was like, everyone beforehand, to a T, across every channel, the experts before when they're calling the games, everyone's like, I just don't see how the Houston Texans could lose this game. Well, After all that's... this happened in Houston, all this storyline. But that's even why. That's so much that's weighing on you. I know it worked for, for the, the Saints and Katrina, but not always is a disaster the best thing for your team. Yeah. So... You know, and we'll, and we'll see how it affects Miami and uh, Tampa Bay this week. I'd love to stitch together from NFL Network to Fox to all the talking heads on all these channels. I just can't. They're just going to rise up. They're going to play for Houston. They're going to. This, this, this is the show of Harvey. Uh, all right, let's move on to Sunday, uh, September 17th. We have got the Browns at the Ravens. Start with the uh, visiting team. Let's be honest, Kaiser looked pretty good. He was probably the best looking thing out there. Uh, you know, Isaiah Crowell did not uh, come through like everyone thought he would. Um, but he got the tough. but he got the opportunities. He so did seventeen like carries. That. You know, it just it, it just wasn't it wasn't yeah, it, it wasn't amazing. I I, I I understand. So I'm gonna. I agree with you. I'm just I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm gonna. He didn't have a touchdown. Did he? No. No. Crowell no. didn't have a no. touchdown. No. Crowell had seventeen carries for thirty three yards and caught. Four or five passes. Oh, but then he had a touchdown called two back. For, two for 33. Two for then, he had, then that touchdown must have been called back, and I was baked and forgot about the second part. So Deshaun Kaiser, as good as he looked from a fantasy perspective, he did not look that great on the field. We saw the flashes, but all the sacks he took, he eats seven. There was a lot of sacks this guy took, um, and a lot, some of them were on mass, uh, Max Protect. Some of them were when he went empty and he knew he had to get the ball out of his hand quick. He's just one of the guys that like to hold the ball a little bit longer, see it develop. And at the NFL, playing a team like the Steelers, that's going to give you a tough road. Now, can it change against the Ravens? I don't, I don't, I, I don't the Ra- know. The Ravens are a damn good defense. Like We were probably underrating them throughout the offseason. The Ravens scare me for Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, they usually don't let quarterbacks run wild. So I'm liking their ability to sort of run the uh, QB spy with Mosley, with their inside linebackers, get pressure on the outside, and the guys up the middle being able to push around the guys on the Browns. So while I thought Kaiser was a, a great DFS play last week, less so this week. His price is increasing mm-hmm. because of that performance, but he does have that rushing upside and rushing floor that's going to give you a fairly safe QB2 type of performance on a weekly basis like we've seen from Tyrod Taylor, and we know he has the arm to make that one play happen. And Corey Coleman, he looked you know, the best he has mm-hmm. in his NFL career this week. Second uh, best. He had one huge game. Yeah, one huge game. <laughs> yeah, he, he caught a bunch of deep passes, but like the way he played was the best. Um, well, you, you're seeing the development of him, yeah. which is good. But the problem is that again, this is a rookie quarterback in a second game against a tough defense, which is a divisional opponent playing with a team that is still trying to figure out what they are as an offense. So, putting your eggs in a Deshaun Kaiser basket right now does not make any sense. You know, uh, I, I like the upside of what Corey Coleman did. Does that mean that he's going to start to see more targets than, he, than the other guys? Because they were still kind of spread around between him and Seth Devolve and Ricardo Lewis. He didn't have, like, that clear separation 10-target type performance. So he, he converted on six, uh, five of six targets, uh, 53 yards in the score. But the, the scary thing is, again, seven sacks. 
which means that Kaiser's going to start running because the more that a rookie quarterback starts getting hit like that, the happy feet come and he starts feeling pressure that's not there and he's not going to let the bigger plays develop. That is what's going to hurt Corey Cole. Cool. I, I'm just saying, I think, I think two, uh, letting him rip for th- 30 passes and 222 yards, great. He's, his first game ever, I, I feel like he's got to come out of that feeling all right. They only lost by three points in his debut against a team that everyone thought was going to fucking hand it to him. Um, and no one really played great on their side of the ball. No, and one other short thing about uh, Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson was pretty much ineffective last week. They didn't give him a carry. Uh, he had five targets, caught two balls. So Duke Johnson did not play a single snap out of the backfield last week. Wow. They moved him to wide receiver for this game. Now, Hugh Jackson has come out and said, hey, that was our plan for the Steelers. That is not always going to be the case. Um, Now, we'll see if that's something they stick with against another team like the Ravens. Maybe against the Ravens, he also plays a little bit more wide receiver. They try to run things like bubble screens and pick on the corners a little bit more. So that, that, that's what my thought on it is. But overall, if – I mean, he wasn't getting that many carries anyways. If he's going to get the short dump-off passes, great. But we know quarterbacks that like to run more, there's a correlation to, you know, running back targets and negative correlations. So looking at that, you know, Duke Johnson still has some issues. And I've just never been a fan personally, but also – you know, Isaiah Crowell is the guy to own in the backfield, but I don't want to play him against Baltimore. Baltimore's one of the stingiest run defenses around. They will push you around, and their physical style does not lead great for these Cleveland Browns, especially the way they played on the inside last week. So I'm scared for all of the weapons. You know, Seth the Valve's probably the tight end to own, David Njoku, and early they had some design plays for him. But later in the game, you really start to see his usage fade and fade. And that's sort of what happens. Like, when there's not a play designed for this guy, what can he do in the makeup of our offense without something drawn up? How about a Malverde? What happened with the gig of the aquarium? It was kind of a misunderstanding. Um, there's a typo in the ad. It was sand they wanted. Sand. You know, that wavy font looks like a B, but it was an S. But I sent the demo, so good news is that uh, they liked it. They might play it in the lobby. Yeah, well, that's positive. <laughs> so flipping over to the Ravens' side, Joe Flacco completed just nine passes. Uh, the telecast was absolutely insanity, saying, Oh, look at Joe Flacco, he's back. They've got all these weapons to attack down the field. The guy didn't even fucking throw it downfield all game. Jeremy Macklin took a big run after the catch to the house. Uh, the running backs between Buck Allen and uh, Terrence West after sort of the injury to Danny Woodhead. Who's going to be out for a while. Four to like. six weeks. Uh, but also on his first series, he caught three passes. Uh, he was he was the ba- he was the Baltimore leading receiver on the day, and he played one goddamn series. So and the other scary thing is both Javorius Allen and Terrence West had more rushing attempts each, separate. Then Flacco had pass attempts. They ran the ball 40 times between those two guys. And this is also a team that passed the ball more than any other team in the league over the last two years. So while this was uh, a factor of game script and how well their defense was playing, maybe it's something we could see more of. Maybe they're more of a balanced attack than we have seen in past years. Um, And and that's scary. Can I ask you guys a question? 
uh, Buck Allen this week, uh, available across every waiver wire. Do you guys like him filling in for Woodhead in this stuff? Does, yeah. Do you, I, I mean, the fact that he good? got as many touches as he did once Woodhead got hurt, then yes. I mean, also, we've seen him be effective as a runner. We've seen him be effective as a receiver sure. at the NFL level. So all those things give me some hope that I don't know if he's my number one or if he's my number two waiver wire claim this week. But if I'm running back needy, this is a guy I'm looking for. Please you know? do tell. Who's your number one? I can't decide between him. It depends on the makeup of my team. PPR, if, I like Tariq Cohen. Yeah, if if I need if I need a guy in standard, it's more likely to be Buck Allen because I think he's got a little bit more touchdown upside. In PPR, I think it's Cohen just because they don't have anybody else to throw to on the outside. He's got the most speed on the offense. He's, he's the best receiver. Yeah, he's he's the guy who creates separation when no one else can. So that, that's my thoughts on it. So it depends on the makeup of my team. Like if I needed a starting flex in a PPR league, right now I'm picking up Terry Cohen as the number one. If I need a guy for maybe longer term who could develop. Number one at running back. Yeah. No, not one at overall. The other thing I would think to say to keep in mind about Flacco. If, Remember, if Flacco Corey, didn't. Corey Davis and, and Galladay are both available. Davis is owned in like 70% okay. of the league. But Galladay's, Galladay's I, out there, yeah. I'm not picking up Galladay. Uh, we'll get to that later. Yeah. Okay. But the other thing is, remember with Flacco, they are going to throw the ball more than they did in week one. Flacco didn't play the whole preseason. So this is a guy who was hurt. So this is kind of warming him up. And, and in the game that they were in, did they really need Joe Flacco to go crazy to beat the Bengals? No. So they relied on the running game and let him get himself back acclimated, and, and then Joe will start chucking the ball a lot more. It was so confusing in that game, and then we'll move on. The fact that um, Brashard Perryman, who wore 18 last year, now wears number 11, which Mike Wallace used to wear, right? Uh, yep. and, and now Macklin's number 18. Everyone swapped numbers. <laughs> what number is Mac, or, uh, Wallace? I don't know, but the, unless the announcer screwed it up, it, I think... I. Let's see. Maybe Wallace is still 11, but he switched. It was confusing. Macklin's wearing 18. Macklin's wearing 18. What, what's uh, Perryman wearing? Maybe Wallace is. Wallace is pretty big now. Um, but it was confusing to watch. I was like, oh, my God, Rashard Perryman finally has a big play. Like, no, no Wallace is now uh, 17. 17. There you go. So it was confusing. No, he wore 17 last year, too. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, he did wear 17 last year. But he, okay. he's always worn number 11. He's always 11. Been, been a number 11. And Rashard Perryman... Used to be 18, now, now 11. 11. Yeah. So I didn't know who the fuck was catching anybody. <laughs> like, oh, it's Wallace. Oh, it's Perriman. Oh, but they actually had one catch. Let's go to our Bears <laughs> at the Buccaneers. The Bucks had their bye week uh, last week, which fucked me big time with uh, Ajay being out. Um, let's just start with the Bears. Going down to everything's good. The stadium's ready to play. There's no worries. Yep. On they stadium. just announced it would officially be held at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay, Florida. Yeah. So I heard today that Miami's fine. It's it's tough for the Bears, right? Because the Bears have got to prepare for an opponent that they have to just use tape from last year. There's nothing that they can see, and the Buccaneers have the advantage of seeing all the tape from the Bears in Week One. So uh, being able to see what they were doing with Tariq Cohen and whatnot is big. On the flip side. We saw how struggling the offenses came out in week one Mm -hmm. for most teams. Do the Bears get the advantage on that side? Seeing that offenses really struggled in week one, they got to shake off some jitters. Their defense has tackled people uh, when 
when was the last time Tampa Bay tackled people? Probably not. <laughs> you know, training camp, maybe. And even then, those guys aren't hitting that much anymore. There's no doubt. But at the same time now, the Bears' uh, depleted wide receiving core is now even more depleted. So I not, think it's improved. But that's it's just well, that may be. But at the same time, now you're sitting here talking about... Uh, you know, no, no Kevin White anymore. So it's now it's Kendall Wright, maybe Marcus Wheaton, but Marcus Wheaton's only a one, one trick pony anyway. They just activated uh, 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 Tanner Gentry from uh, the the practice squad. Yeah, they signed a, was it was Trey McBride. So there's a bunch of no names. Josh Bellamy sucks. Can never hold on to the ball. Deontay Thompson's not a guy that you're going to be able to trust. You really can't trust any of these wide receivers. And then they got the other fact of the matter. This is Mike Glennon. Who do you think that the Buccaneers know a little bit about Mike Glennon? Wow. Probably everything they need to know about Mike Glennon. I, I agree with you on a lot of points. I agree that the Bears are idiots because they should have just cut Josh Bellamy in the beginning, kept Tanner Gentry, and not had the chance of him getting picked up by another team. But luckily, he got back to the practice squad because he was by far their best receiver at creating big plays in the preseason. This is something that they absolutely need. They've got no separation between Kendall Wright. Uh, I don't know that Gentry's the guy that's going to create that much separation anyway. No, that that's his next. <laughs> right. But the problem is, is Glennon going to afford... Everybody keeps talking about this big arm Glennon has. Has anybody ever fucking seen it? Like, he's got a 49 mile per hour it's, on the... It's a big arm because he's six foot seven. Like, he's got a compact delivery, <laughs> but a big arm. Like, who, everybody keeps goddamn saying this, and I've never once seen it. It's... It's ridiculous, and I'm tired of it. Um, but over, this overall... Is like, this is like the movie Broadcast right now. Um, I mean, you're avoiding Mike Glennon. You're avoiding all the receivers until we see somebody separate themselves. There's not a receiver there are two that, plays, sh- right? that should be owned. Two players on this team that you play. Yeah. They both play running back. Jordan Howard. Can I ask you a question? Is Gentry's a rookie, undrafted. Do you say he's on our team? He is now. now they, they signed him to the squad today from the practice Yeah, he's up to the 53. Is, that, is he potentially long-term in rookie league? Sorry, but is he like is he our best receiver? I believe he's the only one who can create separation. So when you're designing plays, that Gentry might be a guy you know, to keep your eye on. Deontay Thompson's going to be a guy who plays a lot of the snaps uh, and is also a speed burner, so maybe he can you know, create one play a game. But other than that, trusting that guy to make you know, multiple plays a game is, is probably a fallacy at this point. And the only thing I can tell you is if you're looking at it from a rookie standpoint, he may have a better chance earlier than some of these guys who are going to get a chance to develop because there is nobody else there he's going to have to get on the field. Now, we, I would say if you're going to pick him up and take a flight, don't start him right now. You need yeah, to see yeah. one week. How many snaps is he going to be in on? Is he going to be used on 20% of the snaps or is he going to be used on 35% of the snaps? Is he going to play behind Josh Bellamy is the only question yeah. you need answered. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. One more, drug, one, more, one more Bellamy hitting the hands, which happens all the time. Uh, it's a radar guy in a must, rookie must-start league that like literally got 26 players. Uh, speed burner, huh? Sounds like Houdini before going into a show at the Thalia Hall where they're not... Not they're pretty uh, tight on weed inside before the show. <laughs> a speed burner? Speed burner. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> well, quick. Uh, I thought you were segueing to Tariq Cohen, which would have been a better segue, but that's just me. No, I would have said the human joystick. Or like <laughs> the uh, ColecoVision super uh, action. Let me just—I'll let you talk about Tariq Cohen, but being there live, seeing it in person, 
shit, the guy's a football player. The, the dude, Ridiculous. I, I worry about the big hits, but he took a huge hit. And he popped right back up, Walter Payton style. Um, he is small, but my God, does the guy have a knack for finding where the hole is and uh, a great pass catcher, too. He's just, it's just, he, has, he brings dynamicism to the offense that they haven't had. He sprawls with a lot more quickness and speed, just not as much strength. And I love and uh, Anthony Sicilano or whatever. And I screwed it up because I got my uh, ears not yeah. right. But um, he's like, he asks, he's like, "Is this guy Jewish?" We will claim him. We will claim him. We'll he's a Cohen. Already the best player. <laughs> the best, best Jewish football player. Since Sandy Koufax, well, the best athlete since Sandy Koufax. But I don't know who was the best uh, football player. Isn't it got. Julian Edelman? Yeah, probably. Don't you claim him? No. <laughs> there's been He's better. Not, uh, there's, uh, oh, God. All right. Let's go to, uh. T-Y-T Tittle or whatever. Y-A Tittle. Let's go to Tariq Cohen talking a little bit about him. Sid Luckman, maybe. He had 12 targets. You know, he caught a majority of those, catching eight passes. Is he going to see 10 targets on a weekly basis in this offense? No. But can he be in the 5-7 to seven range, especially with Jordan Howard dropping a goddamn touchdown pass? Absolutely. He just needs to get more acclimated with the offense. We saw when they went hurry up that he wasn't really able to be out there just because they weren't comfortable with him in pass protection and in checks. Uh, so that's something that's going to have to be monitored. But Benny Cunningham going down yeah. gives him a little bit more of a role. Uh, that's a guy who you know is probably going to miss a few weeks with the high ankle sprain. Um, the Bears will probably add another player at running back uh, unless Kadeem Carey is deemed fit to carry again. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tariq Cohen is the interesting guy because he can sort of play that Swiss Army Knife role on a team that will have to throw the ball. And the Bears are so fucking dumb that within three points of the Atlanta Falcons, they called 70% run play, 70% pass plays. Yeah. Like, you but, have but Jordan You really Howard. can't blame them. They had three players drop balls. That I mean, You hit players in the hands. they got to catch the ball. That I'm not even saying. But your play calling, yeah. I can judge... Because without, that's not even included in that split. Like, Tariq Cohen's a guy, I am a little bit, you know, Jordan Howard's more of a top-end RB2. He's not a solidified RB1, and that's sort of what we were worried about. The game script, the ability to catch passes, and now that Cohen's getting a little bit more work in the run game, you know, it's all a little bit worries for Howard. Like, if you could sell him... You better be getting a premium because he still was a top scorer last year. Yeah, and Howard's going to be a guy who's going to average about anywhere from about 14 to 20 carries at a high end, and he's not going to get as many receptions. They're going to start leaning more on Cohen for that. He got five targets last week, three catches, 14 yards, he dropped an easy one. That's not his. That's not his Bears forte. <laughs> I mean, the only other problem with that is his touchdown in the red zone also came off a gimmick play out of Wildcat. How many of those gimme touchdowns is he going to be able to get? Because, you know, unless the Bears' offense is drastically improved throughout the season, it's going to be tough for them to get scoring drives. Right, let's go to the Buccaneers' side of the ball. Um, what are you uh, What are you seeing? They obviously had the week off last week. Last think, time these two played, they destroyed the Bears. What do you think? I, well, look, I, I, the Bears did a nice job of bottling up Devonta Freeman. So this is where I look at the running game for Tampa Bay. I think they're going to have a hard time 
Got to go off of the Bears' front seven. The front seven's been pretty good. You do have uh, a hit that the Bears took. They keep getting hit with injuries. Jarrell Freeman uh, with the pectoral uh, is out for the year. So you lost a linebacker right there. So now that makes it a little bit more interesting. So maybe Jaquiz Rogers is going to have a little bit of an opportunity. But the players that I think have the opportunity here is either Cameron Brait or uh, an O.J. Howard. Look what, look what there's only two catches that Austin Hooper had. But wow, the advantages that he did and averaged, what, 66 yards basically, 64 yards a, a catch, uh, an 88-yard touchdown catch. I also, the Bears' secondary is also the issue. So where Mike Evans is going to get a lot of his targets, it's I'll, I'll be concerned that there'll be a potential for an over-the-top play to a Deshaun Jackson because you're going to have uh, the Bears who just don't have that speed in their secondary in order to keep up with it. And if you have Andy Jackson who's trying to ball hawk, it might uh, bite on a, on a play fake and, and open up to a big play. And that, that's also true because it looks like Prince and Mukamara, who's probably their yep. best corner, is l- unlikely to play. Uh, so you're looking at an even more depleted secondary. So you're looking at Kyle Fuller and a bunch of nobodies. Um, but the like, I don't know about the tight ends yet. We, we think their base formation is going to be, you know, a 21, you know, two tight ends, two wide receivers, and a uh, running back. Jaquiz Rogers, you know, should get the runs early, should, should get the run early. But then uh, Charles Sims is the guy they say they also want as the third down back. I mean, I think Jaquiz is a flex against this tough sort of interior defense. Uh, the rest of the guys, you know, start both Deshaun. I think he's a start. Mike Wallace or Mike Evans, Evans, Evans yeah. is a for sure start. Those guys are locked in. Are the tight ends going to cannibalize each other and just not provide any value? So I, I look at them as both tight end two dart throws just because we haven't seen them play a game. Love it. This is the one team that would be nice. Next week, we'll reflect on what the Buccaneers look like in 2017. Before we get to our next matchup, which is the Vikings and the Steelers, do us a favor and listen to this word from our sponsor. Sweet. Thank you for listening to that. Vikings looking pretty nice last night going at the Steelers, who, eh, Looks not very good, but I think they can capitalize on it. Let's start with the Vikings. Sam Bradford, you know, everyone's blowing him right now. Steve Young could well, basically was taking his pants down for the dude after the game. But he did look good, and it goes back to what we've always known. Give that guy some time, and he can he can throw, as Dogmatic used to say, throw a, throw a pass of the gods. That guy, is just, it just he just knows how to deliver it right there. 27 of 32. Jesus. Big takeaway, one sack. We already talked about these other teams that were giving up 10 sacks, 5 sacks. One sack. So you give him time. Can we agree? We all have been very high on Adam Thielen in the entire offseason, and he just keeps showing up. And I just don't know if we were high enough right I, now. Well, apparently we weren't because he continues to put up these monster-type games, and that's what's, that's what's crazy. You have Stephon Diggs gets the touchdowns, right? But Thielen's the guy making all the big plays. Thielen's the guy that leads the team in targets. And Thielen's also, game script going from the preseason, staying true. He was out of the slot three times as often as as, uh, as um, Diggs was. So you got a 6'3 dude that's fast that is playing in the slot in Thielen. It's, it's like Larry Fitzgerald, but with 
but 10 years younger. And it's pretty impressive. So, Thielen, good times all around. And with I think the accurate, whole offense is good times all around. With the accuracy of Bradford, and Bradford who, remember, when he was playing on the Rams and all those years, he was always under duress. He's getting protection. If you can give him protection, he's going to be able to do something. It'll be interesting to see what he does with the pressure that the, that the Steelers will bring. Because the Steelers be have been more. a heavy, heavy... Uh, blitz team since the second half of last year. They really bring the pressure. This is where he's going to be tested a little bit more. The Saints really just like to play coverage defense. Um, now you're going to see the Steelers come after him. Uh, that's where it's really going to see if this offensive line is drastically improved or if it was just the Saints. But I don't think you can avoid starting anybody of Dalvin Cook, uh, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, or uh, Kyle Rudolph. And if you're starting all those guys, you probably got to be pretty, you know, fair. Like, dig, back, dig back, in Bradford. Yeah, back end QB1, you know, QB15 maybe in your ranks for Sam Bradford this week. Since Bradford's been around. Since we've been doing this podcast, and our dog would lo- always love Bradford, and he, he's had more like three to five game spurts over the, since he's been in this league. Where best quarterback for fantasy, best quarterback in the NFL, he has these spurts. Now he's got a team. Hopefully, I thought it was hilarious. They have five new starters on that offensive line. Zero, zero players playing from last year. That's crazy. This team might be legit. The Super Bowl is at is at their is at home in Minnesota. Remember last year they started what six and zero. This team might be ready to make a run with that defense, and if everyone can stay healthy, that no, that looks scary. Delvin Cook, yeah, Delvin Cook's a real deal, and you have a guy who you can give twenty plus carries to on a weekly basis, and who can do damage. It makes things so much easier on a quarterback. And and we saw protection with Kate. Jarek McKinnon adds the change of pace back, yep, which he is best to be. Yep. We saw him in on some third downs. You know, he early he was taking some third down work away from Dalvin Cook, but we saw everything we wanted to see out of Dalvin Cook and more. The protection uh, that he was giving, some of those like late last second blocks he was doing, then the speed that we saw in the two plays, that was crazy. Like they're showing a stat on like he's twenty yards short of Adrian Peterson's record. Next carry a thirty four yarder. Yeah. That speed around the edge. Both of his runs were that uh, um, that sweep play where it's just like, holy shit, this guy can get around that edge. And if you can do that in the NFL and outrun these players, uh, good he's going to be good. The <laughs> only question is, what the fuck was he doing the night before the combine then that he posted such athleticism scores? Because right. we saw it translate to the field. And that, that's all we needed to see. Now. Now it is going to be a little bit tougher sledding against the Steelers. They just allowed 15 fantasy points uh, to opposing running backs last season. And when they were actually playing, and not like Week 17, you know they were staunch against running backs. Let's go over to the Steelers side. Antonio Brown getting started. Doing Antonio Brown things. He's ridic- ridiculous. I don't think we need to say even a word about him. He's just nope. a stud. No, you know you're playing him. He's you're so you're playing him. You're playing Bell. It really comes down to whether you're playing two of the other killer bees in Martavis Bryant and in Ben Roethlisberger at home against a staunch uh, Minnesota Vikings defense that really sort of kept Drew Brees down. You know, but that's uh, also we gotta look at you gotta think about this though. That's also Drew Brees on the road, and Drew Brees on the road has never been what Drew Brees is at home. Uh, you take that team, which is now basically a dome team again, and you're bringing them 
out into the elements, even though it is granted earlier in the season. But with the amount of weapons that the Steelers have, I think it's going to put a little bit of pressure on them. I kind of like starting all of them this week. Again, it's that it's that home game. Le'Veon had a horrible game, so you know he's going to bring it. Martavis had a horrible game. Um, I, I really think that that... that I don't know that they're going to have great games, but I think they're going to be startable games, and they're, they're players that I wouldn't leave on my bench. I have major concerns for Martavis Bryant. He had the most cushion in the NFL last week. So the players are just playing eight yards off of him at the snap and saying, okay, run something else besides a go route. And have we seen him be able to do that yet? Besides running stops and goes, what else does Martavis Bryant do? We need to see more of a you know, diverse route tree from this guy in order to make him a safer wide receiver three start. Because right now he's in the Deshaun Mac uh, Jackson mold of boomer bust. He needs to get a long play. But or, isn't he always going to kind of be a boomer bust player when you're playing along with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell? I, I don't, how many, how many, I don't how think many that's true. can you get? I will say one thing. I agree with you, and I'm nervous for him, to be honest. Someone that's got shares of him in every league. What I do also know from watching that game, he had two really close to touchdown plays. Mm-hmm. And that's just as simple. There was one play that a guy knocked out, and there was one play that he screwed up and dropped. And it might have even been an interception. But I think he's going to be fine. He's going to be boom or bust. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're right. His route tree, um, the route trees that he's got up at his disposal – um, and, and, and his route running ability is, is it leaves a lot to uh, to desire. Um, let's go on. What about Jesse James? I mean, Jesse looks... James is a guy who's probably not going to catch two touchdowns again. <laughs> you probably saw his best game. So if you're chasing him on the waiver wire, you're going to be left with three for forty ones for a lot of the season, for a lot of the rest of the year. And let me just say, I didn't put him on the waiver wire. Okay, and, and because. That's not a normal thing. And Vance McDonald, you know, getting more and more integrated into the offense after that, you know, sudden trade from the 49ers. So did you guys have fun at the party? Oh, amazing fun. It was okay. Oh, sorry, I couldn't make it, Dave. I uh, wasn't invited. No, that's okay. <laughs> Tell us what we're listening to. It's the first time ever, I think, the... The opening and closing music is the same as the soundbite. Yeah, so this is an HBO show that was on a couple years back called Flight of the Concords. So any of our fans that are music fans probably checked out this show. Uh, pretty damn hilarious. Uh, three cats, two, two guys in the band and their band manager from New Zealand. And uh, it is just some dry-ass hilarious humor. <laughs> nice. All right, Pats and Saints. Pats you and want to make this real easy? Yeah. Angry Tom Brady coming off one of those disappointing games. Uh, We're on to the Saints. We're on to the Saints. We're going against this team. Sounds like a good time. Going against this team, Brandon Cook's revenge game, all that bullshit. Mike Gillisley should get some bunny touchdowns. Uh, Chris Hogan should be more involved because Danny Amendola left that game. You know, with concussion, is he going to be back? If not, that wide receiver depth core is probably going to run through those two guys. Is Malcolm Mitchell going to be back for this one? No, because he's on IR. He's on IR. Yeah, they put him on IR. So maybe they put him on IR like hours before Mm -hmm. last Thursday night's game. So he's going to be back something like week 10 maybe or not at all this season. It depends, but with the way their wide receiver core is now banged up, he might be needed then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Cooks, fire him up. I think Hogan's a wide receiver three. 
look for Mike Gillisley to get the goal line work, and I also think he's going to be more involved as a runner. We saw you know, some of the plays he made, and they're like, yeah, this guy's got it. And now that they saw it on the field translate, great. But Rex Burkhead, he's a guy who can play the slot in a pinch, so he's got some, some you know, sneaky, team. sneaky upsides. James, James White. James White is also a start just in PPR leagues just because he, he's going to get the passes. He's going to get five or six a, a week. Are you agreeing that Deion Lewis seems to be the odd man out? I mean, he's right now a special teams player. Yeah. And uh, I, I was hearing through people asking us questions on second opinions and uh, social media that uh, the 49 not 49 sorry, the Patriots are fielding calls, people wanting to trade for him. People, well, people are calling the Patriots. Yeah. Right, but that's the smartest thing. That's why they kept all the four running backs, and that's why they highlighted all of them in week one, too. Everyone got a touch because you want to be able to trade one of these guys, and so why not? Well, let's be honest. Uh, Gillisley, there were. Um, Gronk dropping that touchdown, which yeah. would have been a great catch. Would have been a great Was catch. Gronk injured on that play? I don't know. Was he? I think so. The way he played sparingly throughout the rest of the game, I think he might have fucked up his shoulder a little bit, and they're Good not God. really letting on. Good God. I believe it. Uh, that would have been a great catch, but it would have changed the trajectory of Brady's night, and obviously Gillisley then only has two touchdowns. Um, instead of friggin' three. But I like the running back. I still think it's the same going in. Gillisley obviously is the best running back they've got. We've been saying it all offseason. I've been behind Gillisley. He's a really good player. Belichick knows it. But Burkhead's going to get his, and White's going to get his too. But Gillisley, what we got from him was the validation he's their red zone running back. Yeah. That's it. I mean, they were messing around with your brain. Burkhead, Burkhead was getting a lot of those touches in the preseason. When it came time to it, with all Gillisley. Yeah. All right, let's move on over to um, uh, the Saints side of the ball. And I, these are these are the two oldest quarterbacks in the league going head-to-head. <laughs> I felt like Bra- Breeze – I don't think – I know Brady had a bad game, but I don't think he looked old, so to, so to speak, in that Thursday. I, I thought Breeze looked, looked a little old last I night. thought Brady looked old because there was like – Cooks had his man beat about on two or three different plays, and he – didn't get the catches because he had to wait for the ball to come back to him. Now, is that also potentially chemistry and learning because Brady has never had a wide receiver since Brady lost yeah. that can outrun one of his throws? Maybe. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll say that there will be an adjustment by Brady even if that's the case. And when Moss was with the Patriots, as awesome as he was, he was about eight, nine years into his career. We still know that uh, Cooks is a 24-year-old uh, young, young buck, so... It should, it should be interesting. Hopefully, we know the one stat. The, the last time the Patriots, when the Patriots lose their first game, uh, they go to win the Super Bowl, pretty much. So <laughs> last three times. Uh, moving on to the Saints, I, I think Drew Brees looked fine. Like, his, his coach did him no favors rotating out the running backs. Yeah. The running back rotation didn't really make sense in how they used the guys. I, th- I think Alvin Kamara maybe got too much play, but that was also game script related. Mark Ingram, you know, wasn't the lead back, but and he also wasn't really the lead third down back, but he ended up with the most catches. Uh, yeah, that played. one drive where it's like four catches in a row. Yeah, I mean, Mark Ingram still looks like the best of these players, and Adrian Peterson looks like he's running more upright than he ever has. Luckily. You're looking at the Patriots' run defense that got stomped by Kareem Hunt. Oh, my God. Got stomped by Sharkhandra. Curb stomped. 
So they got their teeth put on that curb and uh, stomped them out. Is what happened? Un- unfortunately, <laughs> now you're looking at a three-headed committee in a great matchup, and you don't know what to do about it because is it going to be Mark Ingram or now that you know Adrian Peterson looked like he was going to bite his goddamn head off on the sideline? We should be running the ball up their ass. What he was saying. That's what he said. That's what he was saying. I liked what um, what Charles Woodson said at half. He's like, trade this guy. Right. Go to trade him to the New York Giants. I, I think there's one, a reason I, the Giants didn't sign him. I, I think there's yeah, maybe so, but I think one of these. I think the, I think since day one they were able to sign him for nothing. And I think I think one of these guys, if Adrian Peterson was a badass, they were going to move and get something for Ingram. And now I think they both all see what you just said. It looks like Ingram's their best back, so why not trade it? And they it, like Kamara. Kamara, Kamara yeah. they had unbelievable amount of snap counts. I couldn't even believe it. That's the thing that that's most scary if you're a Peterson owner. Now I I, I bought into him in, a, in an auction league uh, this last week before the season started, but I also have Alvin Kamara, so it was almost kind of like that. Okay, well I can double protect myself, but I also had to buy um, two other running backs in like a Jonathan, I've had to wear two and a Jonathan Stewart and a, and a no. Thomas Rawls. Rawls is going to play this week. Stewart had his touchdown last week, but if I'm looking at those three guys, and if I'm looking at Peterson, Peterson is no longer a starter. He goes behind uh, Jonathan Stewart, and if Thomas Rawls plays, he probably goes behind him. It, it, I don't know. It looks it looked weird. They got to figure some stuff out. And well, when you have a running back with like Peterson, who does most of his damage in the second half of games when it carries 14 through 21, and you can guarantee that he's probably going to see only two games this year, if that. With the Saints, with at least 14 carries. Yeah, I don't know if it's so much that it, it's the number of carries, whether than it is the second half, late in games, grinding out the clock, when he knows he's getting two carries in a row. You know, things along those lines. So maybe if the Saints can get up in a game, we'll see a lot more of Peterson. But the game script really didn't allow for it. But right now, the three-headed backs cannibalize each other. Like, if you're going to bring in AP on the one-yard line... You're probably going to give it to John Coon because you're, you're a fucking asshole. Well, I'll tell you, when I go out with my buddies and we go to the bars, my fat, bald ass still thinks I look like fucking uh, Bruce Willis from Die Hard back in the day. And every piece, no, of ass, like every, every piece of ass in the place wants to get on me like they used to. No. And that's the way AP is right now. He still feels like he's bringing a 2,000-yard rusher, and he, but he's 32 years old. But when he's on the sidelines, in his mind, he thinks he should be in the game, and it's not going to work. He's never going to be okay with not getting and being the bell cow and getting it. It's just not going to happen. Ugh. Let's start with uh, Michael Thomas from the receiver game. You know, I think he's still locked in. We saw a lot of plays go his way. Let me make fun of myself. <laughs> I was agreeing with you. We saw a lot of plays go his way, but the Patriots do have you know tough, staunchy corners. And when they don't blow a coverage uh, on Jason McCourty or Devin McCourty, then it, is that big play going to come? Because that without dude can that, hit though, can he? Yeah. But uh, how about how about this? Same amount of targets. Oh, actually, maybe he had one more target. Was it Kobe Fleener? Had had uh, Kobe one more Fleener <laughs> with with the linebackers. He's the man. I'm telling you. I have season. no shares of him this year. That was oh, I got every league. I got outbid in all my auction leagues. I'm like, oh, I'll save seven dollars for him, and then he's going for eleven, twelve dollars. I'm like, what is going on? Never drafted him before the thirteenth round. Yeah. So so Fleener is the exciting prospect because we we finally saw his hands 
come together with getting open on routes. And that, that was always great because Drew Brees throws that seam better than anybody in the league. He's, you know, just dropping it over people's Beautiful. shoulders. Oh. So I like Fleener. Ted Ginn, I think, you know, if a guy's going to have a Tyree kill busted coverage, it's going to be Ginn. It ain't going to be Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be Brandon Coleman's lumbering ass. Maybe maybe it is Tommy Lee Lewis, though. He yeah, showed some he juice. Looked, yeah. He was playing, but he's only playing, you know, a handful of snaps. It's real hard to trust him, but I think it comes down to Michael Thomas, Kobe Fleener, and, and maybe a desperation flex play of you know Ted Ginn Jr. Nice. Before we get into this next matchup, uh, do us a favor, help us keep the lights on, and take a listen to our sponsors. All right, thank you. Uh, we got right now the Eagles at the Chiefs. We'll start with the Eagles. Overall, what did you guys think of Carson Wentz? Oh, I love him. He was so close to being bad, and he was so close to being great. It it was like... His ability to get away and extend plays, it's true, is... It's just something that's innate. He can do it. He can. And to me, that's what was going to make him more and more successful in the NFL. The more more games that he gets under his belt and the more comfortable he is as that starting quarterback. And you can see also, remember last year we talked about, oh, they're not doing, they're not letting him do anything. They opened up the offense for him this last week. Yeah, and he almost threw three or four picks. I know, but that's going to come with the growth. That's going to happen. He's going to throw some picks. And they don't, the running game, I mean, Blunt got some carries. They're running the ball. It's like it, they pretty much are gonna have to win games. They're gonna have to. It's gonna. They're putting it on Wentz's shoulder. He looked a little bit like a more athletic and not as injury prone um, uh, Romo, mm-hmm. and uh, and also Russell Wilson. Well, the other thing that, can extend those plays. And the other thing that, like that, that you can compare with those guys too. He spread the ball around. Yeah. He had four players on the team that had at least seven targets. So. He's not locking in on just Alshon Jeffrey or just on any one guy. He's making reads. Those are all things that I take as extreme positives. And with his mobility, um, you know, he, he didn't highlight anything with his running attack, but because he's extending plays and trying to do it through his arm, but he can run. Yeah, I like his ability to run. Uh, I think his receivers are probably in a tough time this week against the Chiefs. You know, Alshon, you Who know, probably the Chiefs. Probably a lot of Marcus Peters for Alshon. It looked like he was on that side of the field uh, for a majority of the game. Uh, Maybe they move him around a little bit to the other side, but also Torrey Smith. You know, he burned Josh Norman two or three times. Carson Wentz couldn't throw him the ball. Like, so I think that's going to be a problem because of that movement. When you're moving out towards the side, uh, east and west, you can't you can't get that long ball. You just cannot plant and throw that thing far. So I, I don't think any of us thought Torrey Smith was going to be really much more than a guy that was going to have to bring a, a one one dude with him. Um, Torrey Smith looked good though. He, his routes were you know pr- I, precise. He was I don't, I'm not as down on Torrey Smith. I look at it as look, you're gonna he's gonna find ways. He's the ultimate boomer bust guy, yeah. and if you're in a league where you get rewarded for a longer touchdown and you need to have on a bye week or an injury flex play, that's what he's for. He's not a starting wide receiver, but he's a guy in the right league to be a perfect drop-in if, it, if it's the right matchup. But the one thing I'll say is Nelson Aguilar was the guy who was yeah. getting drafted after uh, Smith. Can we all agree that Aguilar, even though in the early offseason and some of the preseason stuff, it felt like, okay, they're actually... I, I'm much more... I, 
I, I, I can put myself behind an Aguilar Do you know, much more than a Smith. I drafted him as a rookie, my, the one where we can hold him for two yeah. years. So I, I actually I actually hold him for three years. He's still on a reserve roster in one of my leagues. He And this is the league that I lost Allen Robinson in. I want to activate uh, Nelson Aguilar and take a shot this year and see what happens. The thing was, Nelson Aguilar's big catch it was one play. came, it was one play. came after what should have been a touchdown to Torrey Smith. Yeah. Uh, if Carson Wentz could have gotten the ball. Or it could have been a pick by Josh Norman. So however you look at it, it was just one of those things. I think we saw the best game of Nelson Aguilar's season. So if you're willing to spend money up for him, I think that's a little bit... But the I don't know if they get... I think he's going to have a few games where he plays really well. You think I he's going to have a game with more than 150 yards and a touchdown? It was that one play. No. I don't, Aguilar only had 86 yards in a touchdown. So I think he can have a 100-yard game this year. Absolutely. I think he can be consistent. Is he, I'm not saying he's going to have a better... He had one huge play that made the difference. Great. One thing I'll, I'll say on that, and I think we should swap over... Or Ertz. Uh, one thing that's... Ertz is locked in. Yeah, Ertz looked locked in. He's getting stuff. One thing that sucks about this matchup that sucks about anyone, uh, we'll talk about the defense side because we're talking about the offense of the Eagles. Fucking, uh, not Peters. Uh, Eric Berry. Eric Berry. Oh, I know. Gone for the year, dude. I love that guy. It's like a guy that you just love to watch play. On, on that Thursday night game, when you saw him identifying the run, Five jumping that, that gap and just coming through and blowing up run plays as a safety that was, was that a fourth? That was a fourth down. That was that fourth down play. That yeah. They should just pick, pick the field goal. He, he kicked the field goal. The way that he plays is just reminiscent to me of those, the safeties who I love, and one of my Iowa guys that was the, the best for the short period of time that he played, and sticking his nose in the box, Bob Sanders. Yeah. You know? Can I ask one question? This is another, this is, a, you guys, I have, Kansas, I won early on Kansas City defense. They won me championships. I love them. The, the way they can kick or turn. As a defense, as a team defense, are they still going to be a great team defense, or is this as big of a hit as I feel? I when that happened. I was like, I mean, I've got them at three leagues, and I over. I went early, first defense picked. It's not. It's like, not. Wow, it's early. Like, it hurts. It hurts. There's no doubt that it hurts. But you still got Houston up front. You still got guys that are going so to put good. a tremendous amount of pressure. Um, you still have Peters, and you got all these guys that like, are aggressive in the backfield. Are they going to be a defense that's going to be shutting people down, getting shutouts and stuff? No. But they're going to be that opportunistic type of defense. They also have the ability, if the game is close, that they can throw Tariq Hill in there to return a kick or to return a punt if they need he to. He did return one. Yeah, that's returned. what they do. I was like, oh, my God. It becomes, it becomes that, that, that little weapon that you can just kind of throw in. Oh, hey, now, deal with it. So you'll get... Uh, two or three special teams touchdowns, you're going to get some interception returns for touchdowns, and you're going to get the turnovers. That's what they do. Yeah. I, they I will play I think the Chiefs are fine. And, you know, Washington was able to get some things done as a team defense. Uh, I do worry about their overall ability to cover tight ends now without Eric Berry because they have been one of the best defenses over the last couple of years with him. Uh, defending the tight end, but now also Derek Johnson's entering the real twilight of his career off a couple of Achilles injuries himself. You know, we saw people just run by him whenever they wanted. Can he keep up with a guy like Zach Ertz who really started? To I think he's going to give him fits. All Zach right, Ertz go. is giving him fits. Yes. Okay. Let's yeah. go. Over. <laughs> yeah, Ertz is going to make him hurt. Let's yep. go over to the Kansas City side quickly. Let's, let's kind of roll through this so we can get caught up. I mean, on this a is an easy offense. You start Kareem Hunt. You start Tyreek Hill. You probably start Travis Kelsey, even though the Eagles are one of the toughest uh, defending tight end teams. But 
Alex Smith is what Alex Smith is. You know, QB 18 in your rankings. If you need the 12 to 15 points he can give you on a regular basis, great. If you think he has upside for more just because of, you know, he really didn't take more shots down the field than he ever does. Mm-hmm. They, they just all seem to hit this week. So there's that. You yeah, know, you're I, not going to get Alex Smith throwing 275-plus yard touchdowns in a week ever again. I'm just going to say that. I mean, it, it's he's still never thrown two 300-yard games in a season. I mean, he at least started. He will do that this year. He's yeah. not scared anymore. He's taking it up. He's like, I'm gone he, anyway. He Might did, as well just have fun. He did Mahomes take, there is a good motivator as well. He literally took no yeah. extra shots downfield than he normally does. And he took. They, they were just more. They just all got completed. And and, and we know that last year he did. Actually, throw the ball down downfield more than he's ever been cre- given credit for at last year. So yeah. he's already was doing it last year. We talked about it a couple times in the offseason where it's like he actually wasn't shut down Charlie like he usually had been. But yes, I mean, but, is, but he also has more of the weapons to be able to do that with. Chris Conley is a guy that can be a downfield type of a threat for him. Um, you, you know, Albert Wilson is not. Um, the thing is, he is a check down Charlie, but three, four times a game. He'll throw a goddamn street pass. Like, great. But he's not going to be the guy who's throwing it 10-yard curl routes to his outside receivers like some of these other quarterbacks. The one thing I, They're going to be five-yard shallow cross, and then once in a while he's going to try to take the top off with the seam. Tyreek Hill, though, as much as I was downgrading him all offseason, the keys for him is going to be stay healthy. That dude stays healthy. They, Andy Reid... You're probably with probably the best coach to to find ways. If it's not him, it's Sean Payton to find ways to get you involved in that offense. And they're doing a hell of a job. I just if he makes it through the whole season healthy, it's yeah. gonna be a good year for Hill. And you know when you think about that speed and when they showed the the highlight on the Thursday night game of had he been in the Rio Olympics. Here's where he would have been, and this was when he was in high school, and he would have finished sixth. Uh, behind all the Jamaicans and, and the top sprinters in the, in, the, in the world. Good gracious. Yeah, he's insane. Um, I don't know. I gotta get Kareem Hunt. Let's just talk Kareem Hunt quickly. Sick. It's all downhill just, from there. From It's all downhill, but he's still going to be good. Oh, he's the best. The guy's so fucking good. It's top uh, 10 running back weekly. Like. Every week. God damn. Um, God damn, is he good. That, that looked pretty incredible. So, we'll see. Don't expect that again in a lot of the other ways, but expect a lot. He's a starter. Let's move on to the next matchup. But before we do, how about a Valverde? What's going on here? Well, Jermaine just keeps on hassling me about how I abandoned him when we got mugged. And why are you angry with him? Well, he left me to die. <laughs> yeah, well, we all know that. Old news. No one likes a moaner. Yeah, well, he just keeps on going on about it. And having said that, no one likes an abandoner either, Brett. No, you don't abandon each other in life-threatening situations. Okay. What happens is the guy who's left behind, Jermaine, they feel left behind. Yeah? Abandonment issues? <laughs> All right. Let's go to the next game, and that is going to be the Titans going down to Jacksonville and playing the surprising 1-0 Jaguars. Uh, we'll start with the Titans. I'll just put something out. Corey uh, Davis did not play any games in the preseason. Still got nine targets, six catches. 
I like what I see there out of nowhere. He's still gonna he's gonna be their snap count leader. I think he's gonna be a stud this year. And on that snap count note, he played the second most snaps when they said they were gonna sort of have him on a pitch count. He played the second most snaps to Eric Decker at the wide receiver position. The guy who was really downgraded in terms of snaps was Rashard Matthews, but even he played, yeah, he played over good. fifty. Uh, snaps in that game. So it looks like they are running a little bit more three wide receiver sets. Uh, we knew that they lost some depth at the tight end position in terms of the blocker in Fasano. So now it's Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker's playing a lot more inline tight end. But this offense is going to be good. We saw some flashes of it. Uh, it was just sort of they couldn't put together scores. Uh, a lot of it was three and outs and, you know, Mariota played a pretty conservative game plan, and I don't know if that's what they had <coughs> planned, but they also couldn't establish the run game. And that was the real surprising thing. Right. I thought they'd be able to do a lot better against the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Like When you look at the stats, they basically had mirrored the same stats as what Oakland had in the game. So they were the team that was moving it up and down, but they were just not the team that was putting it in the end zone. So, you know, the other thing that's always encouraging, too, when you're looking at especially for Marcus Mariota, uh, like we were talking about with Carson Wentz, is the ability to spread the ball around to multiple receivers. Then it doesn't allow a defense to lock on and shut anything down. You're able to adjust to what they're doing. So you got to like that from what you're seeing from him. The one thing that is that was a concern was, hey, they didn't really run the ball that much, and they should have been able to run the ball a lot better against Oakland. And you only gave DeMarco Murray, what was it, 12 carries, and you got Derrick Henry six. So are you going to recommit and go back to kind of the things that were making you a successful team a year ago? Or are you really trying to just see what Marcus Mariota has? And I think that the strength for this team is actually more if you got to get your running backs between Henry and Murray, they need to have at least 27 to 28 carries in the game for your team to be a winning team. You know, and that may mean that you're going to downgrade it. It can't be that you can't have four wide receivers be good every week. So, um, you know, but I really, I, I agree with you. I, I was really impressed with what I saw from Corey Davis, you know, for a rookie coming in and being able to step right in and do that. I still like Rashard Matthews as I always, as I had all offseason, and I think he validated that. Nine targets for him, so that's solid. And I, and I definitely think that we have to, you know, you're looking at the, the Decker situation is the one where it's the chemistry has to take time. It's he was getting a lot of looks, but they, they you know, but him on the field helps those other guys. That's the important part of it. He was a he was an index finger away from having a touchdown. Yeah, uh, it's a great play. But um, so what do we think? What do we think is going to happen? Let's talk about against the Jaguars. That's a good defense. It's going to be talking about it for two years. They've been building and socking it. They're good. So the Raiders' fastest sack was 4.6 seconds. That offensive line afforded him great protection. Uh, I think it's something that's going to continue. You're not going to see 10 sacks from the Jaguars. Uh, Calais Campbell's not going to get four of them. So, you know, I think they're going to be able to protect Marcus Mariota. Mariota seems to play well against the Jaguars. Uh, I'm just not expecting one of those high, high upside blow-up games because... You know, Jacksonville's corners, A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey, were able to do great things against Nuke for most of the game. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, you know, maybe these receivers are all flex plays. Mm-hmm. Like, there's none of them that are locked in. Maybe you could lock in Corey Davis a little bit higher as, like, maybe a wide receiver three. But I think they're all flex consideration. One of them is probably going to bust. 
but Eric Decker playing, you know, pretty much 97% of the snaps, uh, getting that target load that he got, you know, being in the red zone, being their preferred weapon, it looked like. Delaney Walker still doing Delaney Walker things, making big plays, making big blocks, which was awesome. So I'm liking all of their weapons. I'm just sort of downgrading them this week. Like, I, I think you still have to start DeMarco Murray. Uh, I think this is a, probably a pretty good matchup for him. He should see volume. I think they have to establish him. And then Mariota is going to be probably a back-end QB1 this week or high-end QB2. Right. Nice. Let's go for, over to By the way, just yeah. so we're clear, I like Derek Carr over Marcus Mariota for this week. Wow. Wait, I'm, hold on. I like Derek Carr every week. Hey, we got it. We got it. It's on tape. It's on tape. Yeah, but Marcus Mariota won week one. By what? 0.4? 0.16 points. Well, wasn't it depending on the scoring well, system? I texted. I was like, nobody uses six-point passing touchdowns. I, I do. I'm in a league that does. I, I I texted and I was like, hey, one up, one for Derek Carr. So I was like, wait, wait, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, brother. So I went and checked. One league, he was like one point above, and the other league was one point below. And I'm like, all right, I guess we're talking about victories. Uh, <laughs> He's like, all right, actually, in Pyro scoring, it was point four more points. Point we'll one call it a watch. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we shouldn't take too long yeah. to talk about this uh, next offensive team. Four yards game, ton of carries. He's going. the guy. He's the guy that you need to talk about. 26 carries, you got 100 yards, you got a score. It actually showed some touch in the passing game, too, getting three catches for 34 yards. You no longer have Allen Robinson, who gets uh, injured on the first catch of, uh, of his season, and he's done. Um, so who do you have there to throw the ball to? This is why you're going to realize it's going to be the Leonard Fournette show. We're going to do everything that we can as Jacksonville to lean on, our, lean on our defense and not let Blake Bortles lose us games. That's what the game plan has got to be. Because now you're left with Allen Hearns, Aurelius Ben, Tommy Bohannon, Marquise Lee, uh, a bunch of nobodies. Keelan Cole, good luck. The thing is, Tennessee, very stout against running backs last season. Just 14.5 fantasy points a game. Last week, allowed another 14.2 fantasy points. So, A, if Leonard Fournette gets all of that, great. Uh, I, I just think they're going to be a little stouter up front. Marshawn Lynch was able to so, you know, sort of show his dominance. And Fournette won't have to share. So that's great for him. Um, Chris Ivory also looked pretty good in a sort of change of pace role. So TJ Yeldon, is he going to be back in a pass-catching role yet? Uh, and that could limit Fournette's upside maybe a little bit. But, yeah, I think Fournette's locked in as a high-end RB2, RB1 just because of workload. The rest of the guys, Alan Hearns, is he going to be involved? So he's uh, the guy that's a pickup guy. So I, for me, Hearns is probably my fourth or fifth guy on my list of who I want because no matter what if he's the number one wide receiver then he becomes the guy that's going to get the the number one attention of the defensive backs you look at what Blake Bortles can't do which is complete passes 11 of 21 in week one you know he had his success when he threw what 665 passes in a season that's the only way that he's going to do it and they realize now we finally have a running back that we don't have to give him that many opportunities yes but Leonard Fournette is a guy you have to respect. And then once you have to respect the running back, what comes off that? Play action. Play action. But you're who's also counting on Blake Bortles who completes 60% of his passes. At who, best who's their best? Marquise Lee or D.D. Westbrook? He's on IR. 
Uh, so you're looking at oh, right. Al- Alan. You're looking at Alan Hearns as their best deep threat. Marky Slee is the guy who runs all the underneath routes. Right. So Hearns is the guy with some boom bust potential on a weekly basis. We've seen that double digit touchdown season out of him. We've seen him catch you know 17 and a half yards per reception in a season. This is a guy who possesses some upside that you might be able to pick up for free in your leagues. Uh, I I prioritize him over Marquis Lee if they were both available. Oh, but, I agree. But, I but agree. in PPR, you know, Marquis Lee is a guy who maybe catches five for fifty, you know, six for sixty, and he's those guy who's going to be on the underneath crossers involved. The rest of it, James O'Shaughnessy is the guy who cut the touchdown for him uh, on a play action. So that's not a guy you're really going to have to worry about. Keelan Cole is probably the guy who's going to step in as a starter because of all these injuries, but. Maybe D.D. Westbrook is a long, long-term stash. Um, all right, let's move on to the next game. But before we do, But the point is, going out with your best friend's ex-girlfriend while you still live with your best friend, that kind of thing would be considered a little weird here in the U.S. Actually, it'd be quite weird in New Zealand as well. Jermaine, you should think about that. I've told you, you know, when you're in a band... You don't get with your bandmate's girlfriend, past or present. Yes, well, thanks for that. You get a love triangle, you know? Fleetwood Mac situation. Although there was four of them, so more of a love square. But, you know, no one gets on. Okay, I see. Mind you, they did make some of their best music back then. Rumors? No. That's all true. I knew that you would get that joke. Yeah. I didn't know that he would get that joke. I just zone out whenever there's things no, like Yeah, but do, 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 can you name a Fleetwood Mac album? No. no. Rumors. There you go. Uh, Arizona Cardinals versus uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Indianapolis Colts got throttled by the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, Arizona on Cardinals. A weekly basis. Arizona Cardinals got throttled by the Detroit Lions. The issue is fucking Carson Palmer got David Johnson killed and broke his goddamn wrist. Dislocation out two to three months, and you could just piss all over Carson Palmer for what he did to your season if you had a top one pick in your draft because that's where he went in pretty much every draft. Yep. Unfortunately, he's on IR. You won't see him for at least eight to ten weeks. Uh, and even then, is it a point where they're just going to hold him out for the season? And as a fantasy owner, you're looking at starting David Johnson maybe in the playoffs rusty. So If you, know, you get there. yeah. If well, you get there no, without Here's the question. What, more so, I think this is where you were going. If the Cardinals are... Three and nine when he comes back, and you got your franchise player. Why put him? In, why put him in an issue? Why not just let him hold it? This, 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 team, this, team, this team looks terrible. Yeah, uh, talking about Carson Palmer, he's playing the Colts, so he's got he's got some appeal. Uh, a lot of the times, the interceptions he was throwing were when he was getting beat up, uh, when he was getting hit. But they also lost, you know, their franchise left tackle and Jared Veld here. So you're looking at potentially more pressure. Uh, so that's a scary thought. Even though the Colts can't put pressure on anybody, their defense is awful. They've got they've got nothing on defense right now. Without Andrew Luck, this team doesn't have an offense to, you know, sort of keep up and just put the pressure on. They're looking at maybe Jacoby Brissett, but. Talk about the running backs. I mean, but this is where the question. So with David Johnson going down, and for the people that are out there and are looking at the waiver wire, and you're looking at the running backs that are available. Obviously, Tariq Cohen. If you can get Tariq Cohen, I think 
he's a better pickup. Um, then you're into, is it Javorius Allen? Is it, because the backup here is Kerwin Williams right now. I is assume, it though? No, because I assume that they're going to make a move. And this is, that's, that's kind of my I already point. have. Who did, they, who did they bring in? They brought in DJ Foster from the Patriots practice squad. He's sort of the pass catching back. He's got 2,000 yards rushing and receiving in his college profile and already re-signed Chris Johnson. Okay. This is going to be a backfield by committee, so I'm staying away. That's, that's a great point. So for all the people out there, again, with Kerwin Williams thinking that he's going to be the person, Kerwin Williams is a compliment when you have a guy who's going to carry the ball 90% of the time and you don't have to worry about it. And Kerwin Williams is also a special teams player, right? Uh-huh. So so you have that potential where he's done it in his career. So now they bring him back Chris Johnson. I think Chris Johnson actually is the guy that becomes uh, a bigger potential to get more carries. He played with the offense last year. He showed some, you know, he's, he, he's not what he was. But if you're going to go after, right. if you're going to go on the second tier, go after Kerwin Williams or Chris Johnson. I'm going after Chris Johnson. The thing with Kerwin Williams is getting five carries in week one. He finally passed 100 career carries. Hey. Like, what the fuck do you think? You think this guy's going to come out and carry the ball 15 times a game? Ask Kerwin Williams. I mean, he's got some upside as maybe a vulture. Chris Johnson getting some of the first, second down work. Him getting some vulture work. Andre Ellington getting some work as the third down back, as he did once David Johnson left the field. So if you're in a PPR league, maybe you could do worse than Andre Ellington. End of the bench type guy. Yeah, so does Ellington become back into the backfield now? Do they start using him? They already did. Yeah, so he, he, he created, he dropped the pass that went through his hands and caused one of Carson Palmer. But he still didn't get a carry. So the thing is, and that's the thing. You know, Ellington, don't buy on that guy either because he's still more of the gimmicky guy. They're going to be using so many different guys for the for specific roles, right? You're going to be more of the pass catcher. You're going to be more of the runner. You're going to be more of the 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 uh, the X factor type of a player. Is what play, Ellington's going to be? The thing is, Kerwin Williams. He's been in the offense. There's no Chris John. Uh, who knows if Chris Johnson will play? You know, right this week. Maybe maybe it is a little bit more Kerwin Williams. This is probably a decent spot. To start him as sort of a flex play. Going forward, though, looking at it, when they play tougher defenses that aren't the Colts, are you going to want to start Kerwin Williams? The only player you can start on this offense is Larry Fitzgerald. Yes. Larry Fitzgerald should be locked in this week because he's facing the Colts. You know, they've got no coverage in the slot. They've got no coverage, you know, anywhere. And we saw Cooper Cup light it up out of the slot last week. So Larry Fitzgerald locked in. Maybe a deep shot on John Brown and Carson Palmer as a QB2 in two QB leagues maybe is a streamer because he's down to 11% ownership after being owned in nearly 40% of ESPN leagues. Who is that? Carson Palmer. Well, what I would say is Larry Fitzgerald had 13 targets last week. They're going to basically start doing what they did a few years ago before they had David Johnson. They're going to use Larry Fitzgerald basically as the rush running game. He's got, I see his targets going up. And it's nice to see that John Brown actually had nine targets. Shitty game. He's got a bust one always to do it. But nine targets ain't too, ain't too bad for the sickle cell boy. Uh, so we'll see. Um, let's go. Let's move on. I, I'm, I'm worried about that team. Big I am. Yeah. yeah. 
He was the whole was, offense. We got the only guy that we want. We said all offseason. We like Larry Fitzgerald and we like David Johnson. David Johnson's gone. The offense doesn't get better. Now let's now let's go from from bad to worse and let's go to Indianapolis. Yeah, this because is Jack Doyle and T. Y. Hilton. That's about it. And even T. Y. Hilton, it, it's a dart throw wide receiver three. Jack Doyle, you know, maybe Jacoby Brissett's the starter. He gets a little bit more involved, but... You know. How do we feel about Marlon Mack? I know that we've been talking about Marlon Mack a lot. Look, he got a lot of his carries in the second half. He showed you the burst on the on the, on the the catch and run for 21 yards. He did score a touchdown. He should have had another touchdown. They got called back. So, Pagano, worst coach in the league. I think here's what it is. I think Mack's still a great... I think he's a great pickup. I think he's going to do great things. He's, he's an explosive guy. But I think... He's going to shine more second half of the season. What, Hopefully Luck gets back in week five, week six. I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I'm I not know. saying it is, but but, I, but but I think Mac, without Luck, they need Mac. Go ahead. Long term, I just worry if you're 0-6 when Andrew Luck's ready to even start practicing, Why? is it even fucking worth it? Why? Right, because this is going to be Pagano's yeah, last year. Tickets. Pagano's going to get fired. I know you got to sell tickets, but you also got to protect your franchise. You signed him. He signed for what? Another six years or something after this? Yeah. So you cannot risk Andrew Luck's well-being for, oh, because we need to get three wins on the year. This is three years in a row that there's been like this weird unknown indie thing with Andrew Luck. Remember two years ago and I said, yeah, my buddy lives from Carmel. As a team doctor said, he's got like a bruised rib. Right. And, then, and I was like, he's going to be out. He's out for long. He came back and then two then minutes later and then he's gone. Yeah. He played for one. It's like, this team's fucking weird. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I'm excited. I'm excited. You know what? So it's always tough. Do you want to be buying in on players that are playing for a coach that's on his way out um, that has... Besides T.Y. Hilton, um, hasn't really hit on anybody in their drafts. You know, Dorsett's now gone. Dante Moncrief hasn't done anything that anyone thought that he was going to do. Got a sweet fifty-yard pass on Jacoby Brissett's fifty. One catch first. doesn't make doesn't make it all of a sudden a good draft pick though. So, you <laughs> Wait, know, did that that happen in, in, in the game uh, last? He had week? four targets and he had one catch for fifty yards. But Brissett came in at the end of the game. Yeah. And Brissett came in. What's the odds of him playing this week? I think it's strong. Scott Tolzien's a Tolzien buff. sucks. Come how, on. How do you, you know that you have nothing in Tolzien? The problem is, how do you come into week one of the season knowing Andrew Luck's going to miss games and you're starting Scott Tolzien? That's bad. Like, unless... That's bad. There's no way, shape, or form that it's good. Yeah. Well, here's, that's what, right. here's what I'll say. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's right. Do it more. That's right. Here's what I'll say, then. If, if Brissett plays, he's got speed... And he's got some athleticism. I think that can help getting him on the edge, getting the ball to a guy like Mac. And if this team is this shitty, but does like, it help the guys downfield? I'm talking about Mac. I know. I'm I just talking about Mac. The okay. wide, wide receivers, I think, are fucked. I'm, I, think I stayed away from Ty Hilton, who when we did our first tiers, I think he was my fifth wide receiver. I think by the end of it, he was my ninth. Mm-hmm. Um, the team, it's it, if Andrew Luck ain't there, then I think they're gonna be. Figure it out, and Pagano will be gone within the next few games, regardless of... I think they're going to fire him before the end of the year. I think he rides out the year, and then they fire him. Maybe. Uh, The only thing with Mack is he had an egregious fumble within their own 10-yard line. How do they feel about him going forward? Are they a little bit more conservative when maybe the game's not 40 to nothing? Well, the benefit for Mack is this. You're not a good team. You're not going to win games. 
And when you're looking at Frank Gore, you know what you have there. You need to know what you have in Mac. So I think Mac's going to get more opportunities. And it may even be the best thing for Mac that the team is bad or worse so that he gets more chances I to show what he's got. After this game, just trade Frank Gore to the Cardinals. Let him get him on the plane. That's not a bad, bad Drive time. right back to, or fly right back to Arizona. <laughs> Be done with it. <laughs> Leave me high, Lane Kiffin style. Gore, the bus leave without you. You're on this team now. We got a, we got a, fifth, we got a six round pick. We love him, you, thanks. buddy. You're a good man. Um, all right, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on to the Bills um, and the Panthers. But before we do so, do us a favor. Listen to this. Thank you very much. Bills at the Panthers. Um, Wow, let's just start with the, the Bills. I think a, a pretty good spot play last week. Tyrod did some all right things with some new, some new, um, you know, weaponry, uh, weaponry and personnel. Um, I think they've got a lot to build on. But even with all that new weaponry and personnel, who was it that led the team in targets? Charles Clay. Charles Clay. Charles Clay is He's, probably the underrated player in this offense that you sort of just have to keep. Have to because of the chemistry, the, the chemistry, the lack of real verticality on the outside. Tyrod's just knows him, and Charles Clay knows where to find the holes in zones when Tyrod's scrambling. Tyrod, you know, is. Like, he's got less upside now that he doesn't have Sammy, now that this offense has sort of <coughs> been broken down a little bit, and especially against the Carolina Panthers that can really put it on teams. But you're looking at LaShawn McCoy as a strong start, and the rest of these receivers are like wide receiver five dart throws. Jordan Matthews was the guy who got the most targets out of the wide receiver position. Zay Jones, you know, got a good amount of targets, just didn't really convert. Uh, all of them, but this is still a team based on the run game. Mike, Mike wouldn't you agree that was Zay Jones? I'm I'm an owner. I think you're an owner. I think we're all owners of Zay Jones. I'm not worried that he's taking a little bit of time to get going because again, there's no still nobody else to throw to in this offense. That's why Charles Clay is leading. When Charles Clay is leading your team in targets, give Zay Jones three more weeks to get the offense more comfortable and in, in, where he's comfortable in that offense. And you'll see him start to get a lot more of those targets. I don't know whether it was one of you two guys or was in the offseason, but wasn't Clay like the number one tight end the last the, down the stretch last year? Like yeah. the last five games of from last year? He was the top five. I don't know if he's number he, one. Yeah, he was the number one. Okay. But he was a stud. So he's just carrying on, which is nice. He's carrying on right where he left off. He and, always seems to do it in spurts, though. We talk about yeah. a spurt player. Charles Clay is another spurt player. Then he'll get injured, and then he'll have five straight games with two catches for 23 yards, and then he'll go on another spurt. But, uh, yeah, this offense really comes down to me is LaShawn McCoy's a weekly starter. You know, Charles Clay's a back-end, tight-end one type start. The rest of these guys are wide receiver five dart throws. And Tyrod's, you know, maybe QB 15 because he can do it with his legs. And he's accurate. And he's going to take care of the ball, not throw many interceptions. Love it. Before we move on over to the Panthers side of the ball, is anyone surprised that Tolbert, it, they, they dropped Jonathan Williams so that Tolbert, Tolbert got, what, 13 carries? I'm not surprised about it at all. Really? I, I mean, I haven't heard out of nowhere. I didn't 12 realize. carries, yeah, 42 well, yards and a score. Now, I, I didn't hear anybody in, industry-wide 
talking about Tolbert being the running back too. I no, I actually was reading on that really? when they when they cut John Williams that it was that Tolbert was the number. He was a guy that in my deeper leagues that I have that list for. If I need that running back, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and grab Tolbert there at the end. Junk, Tolbert's not a junk look, Tolbert. I like not, Tolbert. He's not he's not a bad grab in, in in leagues as well because when you think about it, what did Tolbert always do well when he was on San Diego? He can get in the red zone. He can he can he and score and he can score, but he can. Surprisingly, he can, he can also be a receiver, which is like, holy crap, that guy is a receiver, but it's not going to give you the big, he's not going to break out chunk 20, 25-yard runs. He's going to give you five, six. He's going to give you the hard runs, but he could get a touchdown. And, what, and, what and if he's going to get 10 carries a game. And what happens if McCoy gets hurt? That he becomes, he, he, he stays he, exactly he, the same. He, okay, he becomes what he was, what he was, that, that was when he got highlighted in San Diego. Who was it? No, Pan- Panthers, more Panthers when, uh, when Stewart used to get hurt. Was what he? That's when Tolbert oh, got elevated. In both, but on both teams, it was yeah. always because of injury that Tolbert gets elevated. Tolbert's always the number too much four or whatever. Talk. All right, let's move on. I've been trying to speed you guys up all night. Now all of a sudden I start talking go about Carolina. Your let's, go Carolina. let's go, Carolina. Uh, this is another game where you could see Carolina just dominate at home in their season opener. Uh, just get up early and then hey, we'll, we'll play some keep away. We'll run the ball. We'll try to get our offense on track. We'll play a lot of Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey played the most snaps at the running back position, but finished running back 25 in PPR leagues. The thing is, like, they're using... So, there's this thing in in the NBA, right, called gravity. Gravity. So... I think they have that on Earth, too. Gravity, yeah. b- Gravity bombs. They got that in stone. Hey, now, now we're talking. So you guys know what gravity is or not? I think so. So gravity great is how movie, much... Great movie. How much... She was great in that. How much... <laughs> how much, like, defensive attraction does a player create? So, like, a guy like James Harden, he pulls all the players towards him. And I think they're starting to do that with Christian McCaffrey. You well, want, they are. You want to start, you know, getting some plays to other players? Throw Christian McCaffrey on the other side. Throw him in the backfield. You know, you're if you want to run play action, you want to run your deep shot. Put Christian McCaffrey in the backfield because people know they have to watch out for him. So, gravity player Christian McCaffrey. He may not always be the focal point of the play. But as a decoy, he is bringing players closer to him so that when they pass the ball to somebody else to shoot a three-point shot, he's wide open. So I, I believe it was on the, the Russell Shepard touchdown, I want to say. McCaffrey was out there running, and they showed they stopped it, and they showed the linebackers and the safeties. Two linebackers. All three yeah. start moving toward Christian McCaffrey, and then boom, it's an oh, easy one-on-one Open, open up target play. That's so that's, that's, it's, it's a great point. So great point. that's, I mean, we saw Jonathan Stewart get red zone carries. We saw Jonathan Stewart, you know, get don't clocked. count on the touchdown receiving that he got. That's going to happen maybe one more time this entire did season. Did he even get a touchdown receiving? I think he did, yeah, yeah. It was two receptions, 17 yards, and a touchdown. Hold on, with, with he with, never gets receiving touchdowns. I know, but it's like with Garrett Blunt, I don't even remember him getting one. With, yeah. with um, gravity. Maybe that's who we got. Uh, with gravity, does this? What are? What is fantasy wise? A lot of people drafted him second, third round. McCaffrey. I told. I said it was a bad idea. So you still? You think he's a gravity? He's going to be a guy that opens it up for the whole team. But the de- the, the defenses are locked in on him. I'm going to I'm going to play counterpoint. Yeah. Because I was the guy who was that's very high on McCaffrey yeah. here. The fact that he's getting all that attention. Look, 
yes, they're going to use him as decoys in a lot of ways because he has it, but he still has the ridiculous ability to break no plays. Yeah. And so he will get into positions to make plays. And again, look, so he had 13 rushes for 47 yards, but he still did five catches for 38. So he's given you close how, to how eight yards. Seven targets, five catches. Okay. So we need so him to get one That's activity. 20, 20, 20 looks. And that's more than they said they were going to give him. But is that also because of the score in that game? When you're up 20-3 to three and you're just manhandling San Francisco, you're trying to show this guy off in, in you know, the area that he's from. He led the he, team in targets. Yeah. I mean, that's something that's going to happen, what, maybe? Five times this year. Okay. So a third of the games. Yep. You know, a third of the games will be Greg Olson. A third of them will be Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, and that's the that's the thing. There's other mouths they need to feed. And in tougher games, when Cam really actually has to let it loose, do they go with Jonathan Stewart more? Or is Christian McCaffrey – they didn't want to play him that much. They said, like, we're not, we're not going to play him. You know, he's going to get 12 to 15 touches. But the game was out of hand. Let's get, let's get this kid some work. I think that the guy who becomes the forgotten guy who is a solid play for your flex or for your bi-week replacement guy is Jonathan Stewart. You're not going to get amazing stats out of him, but if you need that plugger to play who's going to give you 65 to 70 yards with the potential for one out of every two games giving you a touchdown maybe, that's worth it. Let's go on, let's go on to the wide receivers. I saw Jonathan Stewart play more in the first half than Christian McCaffrey. They were really running Jonathan Stewart early. They're like, boom, get him the ball, get him the ball, get him the ball. And their offense looked great at points. So I, I don't think Jonathan Stewart's going anywhere. I think we know what his role is. Yeah. They're not just going to suddenly be like, ah, fuck Jonathan Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was two, in two leagues, I was like, late. Like, Jonathan, Jonathan gets me in like two picks before I was grabbing like, late. Like, value city, he got sniped. Um, let's go on to uh, Olsen. And uh, Calvin Benjamin, and I think those are the only two guys. I mean, they're both strong plays against the Bills. Who, who do the Bills have to cover anyone? They traded them all. Where they go? They're gone. <laughs> well, traded and didn't sign. And, and the only guy that looks good in that trade right now is Sammy Watkins. I mean, Jordan Matthews looks fine. Ronald Darby dislocates his ankle in a bad, bad thing to watch on TV. Uh, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I'm not worried about Kelvin Benjamin. He got the targets. He got some red zone looks. It was just a little bit off. I think. Remember, Cam Newton didn't really take a lot of throws this preseason. So now that he's getting more used to it, I think this is another potential tune-up. One throw in preseason, I think. I, it's another potential tune-up for Carolina Panthers because they look great on defense. I don't know how much Buffalo is really going to be able to do uh, as an offense. It's not a tune-up. Well, let's go. Let's go to a to a real bad offense. Now. Yeah, let's, this one I think Which we one? can talk about. This Jets. Side. We're moving on, and the Jets are going to be going to Oakland and playing against the Raiders. Doesn't look like Forte is going to be really used that much. Doesn't look like. Well, look, they didn't run the ball hardly at all. They, between the two of them, they ran thirteen times. Okay. So they did not establish the run. But they're going to be behind um, in every game. They, they threw the ball 39 times last week against the Bills. Forte's not, not going to be in when they're behind. The, the person, the right. Bilal Powell is still going to be the person because he will get the reception. He did get six targets, five receptions, only 17 yards. So he wasn't effective last week. But I would still say don't be down on Bilal Powell because when I look at the rest of the guys on this team, who's it going to be? Jermaine Kirsch was the leading target guy and Robbie Anderson was second. These are your starting wide receivers that are at the top of your of your depth chart. But we got to give good 
advice. So the stay away from this fucking team. It is stay away from the team, but never I'll, Jets. Yeah, it, it, this it, is just not a team that's going to be scoring your players on this team. What they're going to do is they're going to be the guys that are going to be scoring on your bench when you have them there, and then when you start them, they're not going to score for you. So don't that's even have them on your bench. Right. Get rid of them <laughs> while you can. It just yeah, never Jets. I just think this team is just it just doesn't look good. At all. I'm locked, this, I'm locked in when one of my leagues where we start 10 starters. Yeah. So it's like three running, two Powell. running backs. Yeah, I have to play Powell. It's, Try and get rid of him. Package that guy. Shit. I, I have him. I have Paul Per. I got all the New York garbage uh, running back. Because yeah. I waited until round five to draft a running back in that league. That's troubles. No RB. I don't I no mean, Bueno. Matt Forte played the most snaps. Uh, early in the game, he was out there. I, I think they're going to have to spend time running the ball, or else Josh McCown's literally going to try and throw it all game. And w- what's that going to do for you? Uh, He'll be gone by week three. Uh, I mean, probably. Like, man. there's not much I can really say about the Jets. I mean, the only position you're really considering is the running backs, and they're splitting work most yeah. of the time. But maybe it is Bilal Powell getting a little bit more PPR action. If you're in PPR, yeah, but, that's the only way. Hey, Robbie Anderson played a shitload of snaps. He's they got eight targets. He only just caught four for twenty-two. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's a guy that can hit one deep one time. So he's one of those dark road team players. One time, come on, guys, one time. <laughs> That's all I got. Let's move on uh, to the Raiders side of the ball. Um, I, I, I already I, told I, you I like Derek Carr more than Mariota this week. That's because he's playing the Jets. Yeah. Um, so you love Amari Cooper. You love a Michael Crabtree. How about Jared Cook, who showed up last yeah. week? Uh, I, I was telling you, I was the highest big? guy on him. How big do you show up? Five for fifty-six. I mean, sure. is that big or is for it a tight end? That's pretty big. It's okay. all right. It's all right. It's good. Like okay. He's, so he's, he's tight end on a good offense on a good team. Sure, but Jared Cook is like a tight end too. Five for fifty-six on any normal week I in mean, a standard I mean, league. Let the guy like, have his moment. He just said he's highest on him. He didn't say. I, I, I didn't say I had him in the top <laughs> ten. I said I had him. In, <laughs> you guys had him at tight end number 23 or whatever. I had him at tight end number 14 or 15. Yes, so, I agree with So 5 for 56, if he does that every week, he's definitely number tight end top number 14. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, that's no, what I'm saying. We're not saying stardom, but he, the alien could do something. What'd you win on that? I got your text on Amari uh, uh, Cooper, first touchdown of the season. I had two bets. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers' first bet of the t- season. And defense, Pittsburgh Steelers defense, and Amari Cooper. They happened like simultaneously. So I don't know which one officially won, but I had a ten dollar bet for plus fourteen fifty. So we did all right. Nice, nice, nice. And I was, what's gonna happen? I think I think what's gonna happen with Amari and Crabtree is what we saw. I mean, I just think Amari thirteen targets and four targets in. The red zone, which four hit. targets within the five, which he didn't have any. He had eight red zone targets all last year, right? Four in the five, he had zero. But last he year. all last year in the red zone, red yes. zone, yes. he had eight, eight, yeah. Like Amari Cooper nice. should have caught two touchdowns on that day. Uh, he just looks locked and loaded as a guy who's going to take another step. He just needs to like we thought this guy had great hands. His hands have been suspect over the last couple of seasons. And Crabtree, he like caught almost everything thrown his way in that yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, I love them both again this week. I, I like Jared Cook enough, and Marshawn Lynch is a good guy. The problem is, the problem is Marshawn Lynch is 
playing 50% of the snaps, mm-hmm. getting like 50% of the carries, and you know they didn't even give him the ball within, on, on the one yard line. Like they were talking shit about. But don't you season. feel? I feel really good about Marshawn Lynch right now. Just seeing what he was, was doing in this offense. He will be that beast mode as it gets going. Look, he hadn't played football. How long? He took a year off. So, but they don't want to give him more carries. No, no. I, I, I say more carries team. in the red zone. So when sure. they're in those close times, this is what Lynch is for. Look, don't be stupid and be like the Seattle and lose the Super Bowl because you don't run the ball from the one yard line when you got Marshawn Lynch. I think Lynch is going to be amazing for the Oakland Raiders as a team. I think he's going to be uh, he's going to be suspected fantasy and so when he, if he he's touchdown dependent. I really feel. Yeah, I mean he was pretty good last week, but I feel like he's he, it's going to be 50, 25, 25 with the running backs every single week. Jalen Rashard's going to be the guy you know used as the receiver sort of change of pace. DeAndre Washington as the uh, ru- uh, change of pace as a runner, and you know if they give him two touchdowns in a game, that's where he's going to have the big games. But I really don't see him rushing for like 150 yards in a game or having those huge, huge blow-up upside games. All right, let's hit the Dolphins at the Chargers. This is the first or second of the late uh, afternoon games. Dolphins. They're another one like the uh, Buccaneers. The, we don't. We haven't seen anything from them, so it's week one for them. What do you What do you think? And the Chargers are coming off sort of a tough loss. You know, missing that field goal, getting it blocked at the end of the game. Uh, so the Dolphins are going to have a tough time. That Chargers defense really, really stepped on it in the second half. Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, the corners both played great, and the both corners shadowed. So you're looking at maybe Casey Hayward playing on Jarvis Landry in the slot and Jason Brett stuck on Devontae Parker. That the, those guys, you know, you're excited to play them. It's their first week playing. Are you really excited? They should be viewed as like wide receiver three flex plays. Well, I'm excited to see them play in a soccer stadium that holds 27,000 people. <laughs> are, are, you might be one of 13,000 <laughs> 13, people, including those in attendance. Uh, excited for that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I said that very facetiously. <laughs> but I do actually want to go check out a game while they play there this year. Why not? That'd be it's, like, it's, like play, it's like being a Toyota Park. Every seat's a good seat. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. But Jay Ajayi, you know, stardom. We saw what uh, C.J. Anderson was able to get done early in that game. Uh, Devontae Parker and Landry, I sort of talked about my expectations with those tough corners. Uh, so that's a little bit worrisome. Maybe Julius Thomas can get something going. We saw the tight ends of the Denver Broncos have a little bit of success. Uh, but Jay Cutler, I'm not really expecting a great game out of him. I, I still think the Chargers are a tough defense now that they're going to be opening at home in L.A. Maybe the, those 27,000 fans are roaring like they were in Denver on Monday night. See, but the scary thing for them is that all it takes is 5,000 fans of the opposing team to get in there and... Neutralized. <laughs> you're neutralized. It's like you don't have as much of an advantage. They're now taking up like it could be twenty percent of your stadium. It's going to be ridiculous. It's true. And you, and not like the Chargers have an established fan base in L.A. Can I ask a question? I know that I think he led the league in in uh, interceptions last year, and he dropped one or so last night. But is Casey Hayward awesome, or yes. does it just seem like he's it? awesome? He's awesome. Like, just watching that guy, uh, I mean, I guess Dude, he's kind if he of would turned her by radar. Yeah, they was, he had dropped the pick six, but If he, he would return that pick man. six, I would have had a chance. He was off, I mean, he just looks like, he looks like, Rob, he looks like 
Rob Woodson out there. Rob Woodson out there. Yeah, he's one of those guys that's Fuck smaller, him. has played a lot in the slot in his career, so he can even play on Jarvis Landry there. And I think that's going to give him a big advantage because especially when you have Verrett back and healthy, we know he can lock down a corner on his side. And that gives you know Gus Bradley a lot of opportunities to blitz, to show different looks, to play man, to play bump and run. And just get up in these defenders' faces. And we know they have pass rushers to get home with four guys. And, you know, if the Dolphins' offensive line struggles, which they have at times in past seasons, it could be a tough day for Jay Cutler, a guy who likes to move around in the pocket and hold the ball a little longer. And the Miami has the exact same problem that we talked about with Tampa Bay. that They haven't played football yet. You know, the Chargers just played football. So, you know, and you're going to be on the road – um, it's a new quarterback who you just brought in a couple weeks ago. So you haven't nearly gotten anything super installed. Yes, he had the relationship with, with Gase back in the day, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. So everything is still fresh. I think that this is one of those ones that if I really have, and I have, I own a Jarvis Landry, I may have to start him just because of uh, Jamison Crowder not being uh, 100%. But if I have options, I really only want to start J.H.I. Yeah, I sort of agree with you. And just for the Dolphins, maybe Devontae Parker. Just for the, just for the Dolphins in general, you've got to look at this as a start of a really grueling stretch for them. Yeah. They've already sort of been out of their houses in Miami, been in different spots training. Right now, it looks like they're going to be in LA. Then they're going to the Jets. Uh, then they're flying back home, and then they're flying back to London. You know, yeah, for a London game in Week Four, so this is the start of a grueling stretch. If they get out, you know, outplayed by the Chargers, it could be a rough couple weeks. It's a grueling for... season. They don't have a bye week anymore. Yeah, so lame. Yeah, so lame. That sucks. Um, I said in a piece that I wrote uh, sometime last week, I'm like, yeah, lucky for them. They both have Week Eleven bye weeks. Everyone on both teams like, fuck. The one team we have to have the same bye week as. Seriously. Instead of replace them, just be like, we got to play you this week. Head up north, whether it's friggin' South Carolina or Atlanta, it's whatever. It's so much worse, though, when you also have a London trip in there. Oh, my yep. gosh. That's crazy. Let's uh, let's go on to anything else. I mean, I think. Let's flip to the other side. Yeah, let's flip to the other side. Parker, Landry. I, I'm not high on Landry this year. Parker, I think, Boomer Bust and the, the Martavis Bryant realm. And let's see what Cutler does. I'm with both you guys. I'm high on JHI. Um, Especially this week. Yeah, he's got it. He, he, needs, he, needs, he needs to get it done, dude. Uh, fuck's sake. So, uh, let's so go to the Chargers. Let's go to the Chargers. Melvin Gordon uh, was the lead back. Didn't look all that impressive. He looked, you know, he looked very impressive early. I agree. Right. First quarter, he looked great. But then, it, you know, but again, remember, who was he playing? He was playing against Denver, right? This is a good defense. They were playing on the road. Not against the run. Well, true, you know, and he, that's where he struggled. He was actually more effective as a receiver, you know, mm-hmm. catch, catching five to six passes and getting the touchdown there. But the thing is this, he's still the stalwart number one running back to this team. This is where, you you know, you drafted Melvin Gordon in the first round. Nothing that you saw in week one, yes, you're disappointed with the overall numbers, but you can't be disappointed with the amount of touches and the way that they ran the offense and that they gave him every opportunity to do what he what he's going to do for you in other games this year, which is be a 25-carry guy who's going to get over 100 yards and give you touchdowns. So nothing I saw there scared me. Though. The things where I took away from was in the receiving game, 
where the fuck is Hunter Henry? <laughs> um, but I tell you what, after all the, the worry about what was Tyrell Williams going to do in this offense, I feel a lot better about his situation. The other thing that became more clear is that, you know what, Philip Rivers really likes Keenan Allen, and he's going to throw him the ball more than he's going to throw it to anybody else. Yeah, and even force it when he shouldn't, because we saw a couple plays to him that were picked or should have been picked to Keenan Allen. But that target share looks pretty good for Keenan Allen. He got involved in the red zone, which is something you know he really hasn't done since his rookie season, had you know a high touchdown season. So if he can add that part to his game, it's all going to come together. And against the Dolphins' corners, you're starting Keenan Allen with pride. Uh, Tyrell Williams is another wide receiver three flex play with that you know sort of long play boomer bust upside. Even Travis Benjamin as the wide receiver three in this offense. He's a guy who could get going. So I, I like all the receivers in this game. I like Phillip Rivers in this game. Uh, I'm liking Melvin Gordon in this game. I'm probably just going to avoid the tight ends because Antonio Gates out-targeted, out-snapped, uh, outplayed Hunter Henry at the ripe old age of, what, 30, 35? Ugh. And, and we, were, we, we like Hunter Henry. I think a lot of people got high yeah, on him. Yeah, Hunter Henry, zero targets. Val Verde. So, so that. So, so looking forward to that. Just great when it hits the lips. Those are just your function buttons for the robot. They look like. Alright, we'll try it again. Hey, no. You don't, you don't get these these New Zealand duds. No, it's not that. It's the fucking computer. And it's the fucking all right, it's all right. It's robot nipples. <laughs> what are these supposed to be? Those are just your function buttons for the robot. They look like nipples. Don't touch them. Like I spent ages making these guys. It looks good. And let's just start again. It's all I had. Well, it doesn't look like Daft Punk. We wanted ones like Daft Punk. I don't know who he is. They're just robots from the future, right? Deal with it. That was one part of our show the last time around. Is that these sound are tough. Oh my god, I love you, Beanie. You well, the problem is, that, you know, you guys don't like to wait at all for the sound bite if it's coming, you know. So, <laughs> and eventually, I'll get a new computer, and then it'll just be eight sec- eight seconds later. I don't well, know. Well, you know, I know I'm, I'm doing my best. You know, I don't know if I'm supposed to leave silence there. <laughs> I don't know if it's working or if it's not. <laughs> I think you should tell your wife to get you a new computer for your uh, anniversary. Let's go on to the 49ers at the Seahawks. I, I pretty much guarantee there will be more fans. What about Hunter Henry? Can we talk about Hunter Henry? We did. Before? Oh, we did. All right, fine. Breezed it. <laughs> go. I can pretty much guarantee in this game that there will be more fans still available at halftime than there were you know, in Santa Clara at halftime of the last game because that was sparse. Uh, looking at the 49ers offense, do you really want to start anybody with confidence against the Seahawks? No. Brian Hoyer looked, you know, not, nothing like he did in the preseason. He looked pedestrian, and that's sort of what he is. I'm not playing him against a tough defense. Uh, who who was coming off a loss? Coming off a loss tough. at home, looking like crap. Where they play, you know, lights out. The only guy that's really in consideration, only guys, I guess, because Pierre Garçon's in a wide receiver three realm just because of overall targets, and Carlos Hyde is an RB2. 
Just because he seems to get volume, and if he's getting volume in the past game, like he did in week one, that that shows some upside. Everybody else is sort of off the reservation for me, ex- including Marquise Goodwin, who got a whole share of air yards, got deep targets all over the field. Sure. Uh, so he's going to be close a- to big games. He's going to be an one. interesting play further down the line. You are the Mr. Rookie League guy. You would look at a guy who had tight end who got six targets, five catches. Kittles. George Kittle. Kittle. He. Not Ron Kittle's. Yeah, not, is, is it Ron Kittle's kid? That'd be great if it was. Oh. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, but he has speed for a tight end. He can block because he played at Iowa, so he knows what he has to do. Yeah. His role has the potential to increase. And again. Who's the competition that's sitting there in front of him? No one, but it's, Thank you. it's just the Seahawks. Like I'm I, not. No, no, I'm, well, I'm not saying. I'm not saying this week. I'm telling everyone right now. If you're in rookie type leagues, or if you're looking for a guy that has potential to start to emerge later as the season goes, and when you can look at the fact that he gets six targets in week one, that's a huge. What was his yardage? Five for twenty-seven. Yeah, but it, it's not good. It's not great in that regard. But also, just remember, they, they traded a second-round draft pick together to, away. No, not to get them, but to, they trade. They trade advance away. They did that when they're like, uh, I think maybe Kittle might be better advance. Like somebody's gonna give us something. Let's get rid of them. It's been we, what five, six years. They gave a second round pick on them, but um, I like, I like it. Um, I like it. So I think this week. You don't start any 49ers against this defense. I think they're gonna be hungry. Yeah, guys. Um, it's gonna be. Pro- I mean. I like Garcon. I'll be benching him because they're just going to be like, you know what, Garcon? You're not getting fucking shit. Uh, let's move over to the Seahawks side of the ball. Whew, they need some redemption. They need they need to um, they need to get the locker room excited again with a nice victory. And I think it's going to just be an ass-whooping, to be honest. Well, you know what, though? The other thing is this. Russell Wilson did not look good. No. Um... You have Russell to realize, Wilson looked fine. His offensive line okay, well, this is where atrocious. This is where I'm going. They only have one returning starter on their offensive line from last year. And did Russell Wilson look good at the beginning of last year? No, because the same thing they did this year, they did last year. Only had one returning offensive lineman playing in the same position that he played in the year before. So you're continually, and you talked about it earlier in this podcast, where do you got to have good? Got to have a good front seven on the offense and a good front seven on the defense. They're fucking around with the front seven on this offense. And for five years. And, and, and it continually takes them five weeks to, into the season before they finally hit their stride. Ever since they let go of Max Unger in that trade to get Jimmy Graham. But he was kind of garbage for him regardless. But here's the one thing I'll say. On but this continuity. They're not no, having I'm continuity. Not, I, I no continuity. I agree with you. And the one thing that's weird about this is it feels like in, in the past previous seasons... They've all been a little injured, and everyone's getting slow, and it's like we're not putting. But this preseason, everyone's like, God, this team, me included, this team's gelling. Everyone's firing on all cylinders. We don't need curse. Russell Wilson's in the best shape and healthy finally. And then you get this. So it's kind of a surprise. I thought they were going to go flowing in, but now they go ahead. Recently on grass, here are the Seahawks point totals in games. And this is from Zach Whitman, who's a great uh, Seahawks beat follow. So, 3, 6, 5, 10, 25, 6 against Green Bay. So, that's something to look forward to. Uh, Wait, those are terrible. 
terrible numbers. Terrible. Okay. So if they're playing on grass again, that's something to look at. You know, avoid the Seahawks maybe when they get <coughs> off of artificial turf. Uh, so back at home this week, the turf. So field, if I'm smoking grass and watching them. It does. It does. Should not have. It should not have an adverse effect. <laughs> Probably not. Only on you. I mean, but everybody else in Seattle's doing it. So the screen yeah. may look like astroturf to you. You never know. So, but against the uh, 49ers, you're starting pretty much everybody you normally would with pretty confidence. Like you're starting Russell Wilson with confidence. You're starting Doug Baldwin with confidence. You're starting Jimmy Graham with confidence, especially with this Reuben Foster injury. Yeah. He, that was, I, he looked great he looked in that game. He looked really good. He was literally changing the defense by himself. They look so much more improved. He's out for the year. He's out for the year, I think. Yeah. They haven't announced it's, anything. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a long. It's gonna be a while. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried. And he's the guy that they were willing to take at number two, and then no, picked him up at like number like 28 in the draft or whatever. We watched him playing up. Fantastic game changer. The thing that was that stood out to me though too was Jimmy Graham, seven targets, only three catches for eight yards. It's because he dropped four. I know. Well, he those are all the drops. And Doug Baldwin, only four targets in the game, caught all of them for 63 yards. He, when. When they're going well, Doug Baldwin's getting 10-plus targets in the game. So, I don't know what Green Bay did and how they just like completely took... Because I, I was at the Bears game, so I didn't get a chance to, like, to watch all the film. How they just took him out of that game. But, good God, man. Uh, Doug Baldwin needs to be getting at least double, if not triple, the amount of targets that he saw Doug Baldwin week. was open all game. Russell Wilson's line just... Like, there was... There's pictures of Russell Wilson surrounded by three Green Bay Packers with all of his offensive linemen turned around looking at him trying to avoid the rush. Like, that's not the way this is supposed to work. His offensive line is... And those were not screenplays. (laughs) So, it's so bad, but... You know, Doug Baldwin's able to get open whenever he wants. We saw some big plays from Paul Richardson. He made some plays down the field. He made some plays on crossing patterns. Uh, he made some I plays like on slant guy. routes. Uh, they also said they're going to play Tyler Lockett a little bit more at receiver. Do you think that Paul Richardson can maintain or sustain the seven targets, be a five to seven target yeah, guy every I do. week? I do. I do. I think That's why they got rid of Kurt. Kurt he, he, they well, right. Well, they got rid of Kurson and, and again, you know, Lockett's Tyler Lockett's Lockett is, is we, we, we've already, all offseason we talked about how we weren't big fans of Tyler Lockett. I mean, he's so. a situational deep threat. Right. Like, that's Paul what he's going to do has best. more versatility for that offense. I, I, yeah. Can I ask a question? Another question, and then let's move on. Rawls, sounds like he's playing this week. Should play this week, yes. Rawls what seems like he's going to be the starter if he's back. Just because we saw Eddie Lacy play, what, seven <laughs> snaps? Uh, it looks like Eddie Lacy. Seven snaps. Eddie Lacy looks cooked. He's gonna, is he gonna cut? Yeah, because yeah, he has, they will. Because Chris Carson showed up, baby. No, it's probably he's getting cut because they have guaranteed money for every game he plays. He gets a game bonus. Like, why spend the money if you're gonna be the fourth running back? He's gone. Like, what the fuck's the point? Well, the point is that right now what they needed to know was is Rawls gonna play? And what they did was with Lacy. This is why they can do it. They gave the ball to Carson. And, you know, so you gave him six carries. Lacey had five. He did 39 yards of his six to Lacey's three. I test when he wasn't even holding the ball. It's, it's night and day. Right. It's night and day. This guy looks like uh, I, I, this guy looks like a running back in the NFL. Now, the other question, you know though, is... Hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't know 
Like, Eddie Lacy's probably better off at playing left tackle right now than some of their other players. Because cool. he's that goddamn big. He just, Eddie Lacy. Like, I don't know how Eddie Lacy's been hitting his weight bonuses. Because he must be wearing a fucking flat jacket when he's he plays. He's carrying it all in one spot. He's 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 dip, he's like doing the wrestling thing. He's like wearing that silver thing in the hot tub while he's dipping. He's peeing. <laughs> he's he's the boxing gold bond. He puts on after he weighs in. He puts on ten pounds and he comes back. He weighs twenty pounds the next day. They have exactly. real good China food there, so he's screwed. <laughs> but All right, the thing I, is this: the CJ, like Pro, CJ Procise did not get a target as as a running back. When Thomas Rawls comes back, he's not a guy that's going to be getting the targets. Carson only had one target, so. Who is 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 Procise going to be the guy? You know, are they going to use him out of the backfield? Or are they going to keep doing what they're doing, where they're putting him out and, and lining him up as a receiver, and then putting him out into the field? I, Who can be the effective be receiver of, this, of, the, of all these running backs? I, I think you can be a little bit worried about Procise, but his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield is going to change. Like when he was at his best last season, that's when the Seahawks really played at their best at uh, at the Patriots last Patriots. year. Was on. was when he you know got really involved. So I think there's going to be a point this season where they need to get him involved in the pass game. They design plays for him. They get him very, very involved in, in that sort of facet of the so game. So quick question. Does he need to have a guy like Rawls who's being effective running the ball to then be that change of pace where it becomes more effective in the game? Okay, go ahead. I think he's he's more of a wide receiver. He's a Duke Johnson. That's kind of what I see it. He's, yeah. a, he's, he, he's a wide receiver. He's, he's a receiver. Unfortunately, and he but, can fit there. They don't really have a ton. Unfortunately, he can't be a running back because this offensive line doesn't play to his yeah. strong suits. He's a guy that's going to stretch it out, and this offensive line doesn't give you any room to stretch anybody out. And in the game that you were talking about against the Patriots, I'm pretty sure he did it all through the air, anyways, uh, a majority. Well, let's go up. Bell Bell birthday. The Redskins are going to be at the Rams. Who do you think? I just had the cleaning lady here today. Keep it clean. I know. You're even clean. I did my best. I'll, I'll wipe it up. Um, <laughs> so, Washington Redskins at the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, we've got two games in L.A. I wonder how traffic's going to be uh, at the same time. It's only 27,000 at one stadium. <laughs> but... <laughs> Look, what? Look, looking at the Washington Redskins, they left a, a lot of plays on the field last week. And, you know, basically, Kirk Cousins got charged with a fumble at the end of the game. That should have been an incomplete pass. So that affects your scores a little bit. But Kirk Cousins was all right. Uh, his day would have looked a lot better if Pryor would have caught a 59-yard touchdown for him. Pryor, you know, got a huge amount of air yards. He Pryor's still had an all right game. He had an all right game. Was that been called back though? I think I, I think that one was, but there would have been another one deep that he dropped. Literally since I've read, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm gonna throw it right back to you. Literally since I've read him in a player's tribune or on an article on Bleacher Report say I don't drop passes, every time I've watched him play <laughs> preseason and this season, <laughs> he's dropped the pe- the ball. Like I was so fired up, like, oh this guy's got the best hands. And then literally I'm watching that play and he drops him like Including about three drops during the preseason, I'm like, oh my god, I wish I would have never read that quote. <laughs> you motherfucker! <laughs> You're dro- you jinx yourself, brother. Uh, so I, I still like Pryor going forward. I, I think he will have a tough matchup uh, against Jermaine Johnson this week. But 
you know, he's able to get uh, get there vertically. He's able to do things on crossers. Able to do you know the deep digs. He's running a wide variety of routes. Kirk Cousins seems to at least have trust in him for right now because he's targeting the shit out of him. Well, that was Separa- the one thing. Separation. Sorry to interrupt you. Separation seems obvious with this guy when he's running routes. He seems to be open, and if somebody's coming up late on that big body, it's probably going to be a PI, or he's going to be like, whatever, little guy. The thing that you got to like is the fact that look at the amount of targets you got. Double-digit targets, 11 targets, and they couldn't run the ball. So this that's the thing that I think hurts Terrell Pryor the most, because then it becomes, why is Terrell Pryor not taking a step? Because it's exactly like it was when he was in Cleveland, when teams could then force you into a hand, and then they know you're going to pass, and they get you into a one-dimensional thing. So this is the thing that becomes interesting for, again, another one of these rookie guys, the Samaje Perrine, right? He no, did no, no, no interest. No, no, no. This is the point. You better have some interest, and you better start thinking about it, because if Robert Kelly continues to have 10 carries for 30 yards, and you got Chris Thompson who's doing the damage as a receiver, who's going to do the damage as a runner? They're only going to give Robert Kelly – Perrine did not do it in the preseason. I agree with you. He looked like shit. Okay, but he can. And if Kelly doesn't perform two more weeks in a row, Kelly's out. And they're going to start giving the ball to Perrine. He's going to start making an impact. It may not be until week five or week six, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm 100% have seen it on film again. Robert Kelly sucks. You're not going to get solid performance out of him, so it's only a matter of time before Perrine gets a legitimate shot. They gave him the early shot in preseason. He didn't do it. They want to go with the best chance to win. Two more weeks in a row of this, Kelly's done. Yeah, maybe, but right now they're giving him zero snaps. I understand. In a, right? in a game where Rob Kelly... Foresight, in, baby, foresight. In a game where he is rushing for three yards a carry and getting murdered by that defensive front. But I'm not saying about playing him this week. I'm saying keep him in mind. This is a big-time thing. For sure. You want to make that move right now? If you can sit on a guy for four weeks, Kelly's not going to have this job. I agree. I, I, I agree, um, but it's a nice play by uh, Chris Thompson. So you get, you know that yep. as far as a third down back, something that you, both of you guys know you can get points out of. Case in point, this is a, this is a guy that so right now in the backfield looks like the only one that uh, you want to start making more. Should anyone believe in Ryan Grant? I mean, he's playing a lot more snaps than Josh Dotson right now. They don't seem willing to throw that guy out there, so it must be something they're seeing on the practice field or health wise, but. You know, he's also active for the game, but they're not getting him involved. They're not targeting him, so something's wrong. Uh, Ryan Grant's playing snaps. Uh, I'm, he's not worth the pickup, though. Yeah, it, right. This offense is going to run through, you know, Terrell Pryor, Jamison Crowder, should he be a little bit healthier, and Jordan Reed, who had a down game. Now, are you worried? Here's, here's, here's the question about Reed. We just find out literally a day before the game, Saturday, or maybe it was late Friday. Broken, broken big toe. Fractured toe, I think. Fractured. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Good point. Fractured big toe, where we just thought he had turf toe or some sort of toe thing. I almost rather he have a fracture than a turf toe. Really? If he's playing? Turf toe is like the thing that never goes away. I know, but is a fracture going to heal if you're playing and practicing? What are your thoughts? The thing is, they're taking it easy on him in practice. They're not gonna. They're not gonna push him too much in practice. They need him out there for the games. 
So I think he's going to be very involved in this game. They didn't really... Remember, this is a McVay versus Gruden sort of showdown. Ah, this is time for Gruden to be like, I'm the better play caller. You're still my underling, even though you're all the way on the other side of the country. And, you know, you had a great debut, and you look like Cliff King Kingsbury. <laughs> the one problem, the one problem Wait, that you do have, though, with the fractured toe, the though, Tech. the big problem you have, D-Rex, with the fractured toe is that you're not getting the explosive play out of, out of Jordan Reed. His longest catch was for nine yards. So, but I've never thought of. I always I know thought he's always been that underneath guy that of the run game and, uh, and, and gets. And that's exactly how he's going to be used now. So right now, but he also had that potential to get those 14, 15 targets a game. I just think with this toe issue right now, those are going to be going to Pryor. They're not going to, you know, he's still going to be probably the second guy on the team, but it's probably going to be eight to ten. He's just. Not going to get enough, and if he's not giving you the big down the play, uh, downfield plays, at least once out of every four, that hurts him. I love, I love what I saw out of Pryor too, uh, including that long touch. That was an egregious drop, to use your egregious word. Should we move over to the second ranked offense in the NFL, and now <laughs> the best rook, best quarterback from last year's draft, Jared Goff. <laughs> <laughs> future Hall of Famer. Future Hall of Famer. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Team looked pretty sweet. Playing against a pretty ugly team, though. That's team. fine. But they, they looked pretty sweet. The run game, a lot of weapons, and Goff looked like he could. The run game good. was still awful. Yeah. Man, Todd Gurley was. Todd Gurley. 19 carries, 40 yards. Todd Gurley was atrocious. He couldn't do anything. That offensive line. He did get 5 for 56 receiving. Yeah, he felt like he was doing a lot while I was watching. Like, he's, he got a lot of attempts. He got the touchdown that saved his fantasy day. He got PPR catches and did it, you know, <laughs> through the ground. But <laughs> I'm sorry. I was through the it. air. Yeah. But, you know, on the ground where he really has to make his day, he hasn't made any plays in, in a season and a half now. <laughs> let, me, let me piggyback. So, 19 carries for 40 yards. His longest was a 12-yard run. So that means that he then had 18 carries for 28 yards. And in addition to that, <laughs> he only faced eight defenders in the box on 10% of his carries this, this week. So they played even or light boxes against him, and he still couldn't get it done. So th- that's the most concerning thing, is teams are now still going to continue to stack the box and make Jared Goff beat them, prove that when you have a real defense, you know you can't do it. Uh, now with Josh Norman probably on Sammy Watkins for this game, even though he didn't completely shadow last week, Sammy Watkins you know, is probably a boom-bust wide receiver three. Cooper Cup should be able to do some things in the slot. Uh, I think he's a you know, decent flex play. but I literally tweeted out, hold on, tweeted out with Cooper Cup. Yeah, he's got great hands, was showing it. And then I tweeted out, Cooper Cup, best hands in the league. Drop. Literally, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Within 20 seconds, this is how I know there's there's a God above. <laughs> I don't care what you say. There's God above. And maybe there's a hundred gods above. No, no, there's but a God above. I just said within 20 seconds, Cooper Cup dropped the ball right in his hands. God has a way of fucking with all of us. When you, when, when, whenever you get your head over your skis and you get extra confident and you make a statement, immediately. It, it gets thrown in your face. The one thing is, 
I don't know that we made this point. Did we realize that all of a sudden the Los Angeles uh, Rams became the Buffalo Bills uh, wide receiving court? Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins? Yeah. But the scary thing for me, was, especially if you're a Sammy Watkins owner, the good news is he was very efficient this last week. Caught all of his passes. Only got five targets, though. That's the scary thing. Goff throws for 300 yards and uh, throws 29 attempts. Watkins is only getting five targets. Did, is, didn't need him. I understand, but didn't take a deep shot. He's never. He, he takes Watkins' comments personally. I understand, but the, the fact of the matter is, Cup will destroy Watkins in fantasy points this year. That's a fact. He's up. He's up after one week. He's gonna destroy him. And the thing is that Watkins is gonna draw the attention. But the fact is, if he's getting t- targets like Terrell Pryor, like who we just talked about, it's okay. I worry more because. The efficiency was at such a high level. What happens if he gets six uh, targets and he only catches two or three of them? Then it becomes an absolute dog at day afternoon. Samantha! It's Samantha! Alright, I'm, I'm backing off now. You're gone. You're gone. You didn't need Sammy Watkins in this game. When he got his targets, they were early. What about his at its finest right here? Uh, Come on, you're, you are doing it. They don't need them. We're talking about fantasy football. The, the owners need them. Yeah, <laughs> you need them. They you can't say you move it down. They were up 27 points. You <laughs> traded away your best defensive back in order to get this guy to give your your you young quarterback a. You Oh no! Who they trade? They no. trade the, the pick. Right. They got they, no, they trade the pick. That's right. The, 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 the one came from. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. The yes. uh, Philadelphia trade. Point being, though, you brought him in there to be Jared Goff's a number one guy. Give him a number one threat, and he only got five targets a week. We'll move on. There's a long season. He should have his time, but I do. I'm worried. I'm worried about him. Don't take all Sammy Watkins stuff. He's always going to. Let's go to the Cowboys. Let's, or let's take a break before we do that. You got anything else on the uh, on, on that team? We don't mean to shut you down on it, but you are very Sammy Watkins. Yeah, because he's going to destroy Cooper Cup in fantasy points. No way. Okay. Uh, Todd Gurley, if you got a good game out of him and somebody believes in Todd Gurley after week one, deal him. There is games this Look at the rest of his schedule. The guys he's going to have to play are not the Indianapolis Colts. You know, when you have to play the Seahawks twice this season, when you have to play that Cardinals front, uh, there's going to be real, real tough games coming up for Todd Gurley. If you can get, you know, a high-profile pick and somebody who's, you know, equally performing, go for it. I love it. Sadly enough, I thought he actually looked good when I was watching him, but I guess not. You probably saw his receiving uh, plays. No, I I, I actually watched a ton of that game. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess long the, throughout the whole game, he, it, those numbers aren't great. Let's you must, go you must to have had, uh, uh, been watching between the hedges then. <laughs> yes, that's a Georgia thing for you. This is what I do. Okay, we have the Dallas Cowboys at the Denver Broncos as the last game of the afternoon games. And what do you think? This is double down. Des Bryant, tough matchup. Dez's schedule is tough for the first five or six weeks of the season. But Dez Bryant got opportunities and got prime opportunities and got red zone opportunities. And those things aren't going to disappear. So even if he is playing against Aqib Tlaib, they're going to be deep shots to him. They're going to be, you know... The crossing routes that he runs, and they have to get him the ball. They know that, and they're going to throw him the ball in the red zone. They're going to get him involved, and Dez is going to make 
plays when called upon from time to time. Can I say the one thing that as a Des owner that I know every other Des owner was saying? What the fuck is going on with Terrence Williams getting all these fucking passes thrown his way? I was going nuts. I'm like, Terrence Williams again? This guy is garbage. Terrence Williams is fine. Just not good. He's fine. He's, he's, he doesn't do but one thing. Yeah, but when they... He when kept they, doing it and doing it and it's like, God damn it. Deep crossing around Still across Beasley. the middle, Cole Beasley underneath. It's pretty easy offense to decipher. So now you're going to have Chris Harris on Cole Beasley. So I'm avoiding Cole Beasley this week, even though you know he made a ridiculous catch. He seems to be heavily targeted. Uh, the only but Can I be honest? I, I get I, Chris Harris, KU, awesome. Was he, though? Chris Harris is also KU? They've got two yeah, KU K- defenders? Yeah, they're both That's KU. That's awesome. Yeah. And they still they're, suck. They're both, like, they, and they Chris still Harris suck. Drafted, I think. Um, yeah. But here's what I'll say. Do you think Chris Harris can... I know he's awesome. Uh, going against uh, uh, maybe even a Dez or... A, you think he can guard Cole Beasley? Yes. I don't think he understands Cole Beasley's game. Like, Chris Harris is not quick. Like in those in and out, yeah, no. Yeah, 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 he's not Cole Beasley quick. Not, not. I'm just telling you. I'm not saying that. I, I'm not so saying you you're wrong start, about you the Cole, Cole this week. I'm not saying you're wrong about that, but I don't think like he can guard Cole Beasley and, and really slow him down. So Chris you? Harris plays the slot every week. That the reason they play him in the slot and play Bradley Roby on the outside is because Chris Harris has elite change of direction skills. He is the best slot corner in the league, and it's not close. Okay. Uh, I, can't, not, I can't argue it. No, no, I can't. <laughs> you, you're, Cole Beasley's unguardable. So I, while I don't think he's like a great player, I don't think he's a wide receiver three even, he is what he is. How many but I don't think, does he get, I don't, though? No, I just don't think Chris Harris changes his game whatsoever. I, I truly don't. Well, and I, mean, I don't even think they consider him, they even care so much about Kill Beasley, and that's why he always does well. The team, every team that plays him doesn't really focus in on him. Well, let's ask this. Here's the other question. We'll put him I more have. on, 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 a, on a, a Witten. Or, or this is the guy. Okay, thank you for or being, Shadow. Or thank Shadow. You for bringing him Shadow up, thank you for bringing up Witten. Nine targets. He, he, he was tied with Dez for the league lead, the team lead in targets for the, for the, uh, the Cowboys. Seven catches, 59 yards, scores a touchdown. Um, was this more of trying to get Witten to milestones, or is this really going to be, you know what, we know it's his last swan song, but for whatever reason, Dak Field. just signed him. He's 35 years old. I mean, I'm just saying, for the productive, fa- for productive fantasy tight end where he could be a, a starter on a weekly basis. At one point, five, six years ago, he was a top three tight end, okay? So... That was longer than three years ago, but I no, agree. said five to six years ago. He's a top yeah. three. Dak likes him. I, that's what I'm saying. Dak so, likes throwing the ball to him and get he gets he gets. And, and, and even he's though he's going to be doing Witten the same thing he's doing right Witten now, Witten cannot get separation anymore. But he knows how to box out. Savvy. What do you got? Move on. Yeah, I mean Jason Witten's going to stay involved. Um, there's nothing in this offense that says they're going to pull him. He's playing still 100 percent of snaps. Uh, everything you like to see, yeah, everything you like to see out of Jason Witten, he's doing. Um, you know, he's a great blocker. When they need that safety valve, they you know where he's going to be. Uh, he also just owns the Giants, so there's that. So now against Denver, maybe they're a little bit tougher. Uh, but 
I'm still liking him, especially, you know, you look at T.J. Ward, who was one of their primary tight end coverage players last year. We'll see how good Denver really is when they're not playing Hunter Henry. Like it. Uh, Nothing else on Dallas. Let's go over to the Broncos side of the ball. I I, I honestly, I'm going to be honest. I'm not not a fan of this offense either. You're a fan? Well, let's let's let you... Let's let you, Denver. Yeah, yeah. Let's let you let you go. You well, got you got some guys you love on the side. I just want to hear your thoughts on it. I don't. I don't think there was anything you disliked Monday night. They're playing two tough corners. You had Casey Hayward shadowing shadowing Emmanuel Sanders. You had Jason Verrett on Demarius Thomas. Demarius Thomas got the targets, got the catches like he always does. So in PPR, he's a fine play. Emmanuel Sanders was. You know, a, a pinky length away from a touchdown if what's-his-face was an index finger away. Uh, so you, know, you like Emmanuel Sanders in this matchup where corner play isn't at the greatest. Um, and you're looking at the rest of the plays. C.J. Anderson, you know, got 20 carries, was very involved, got some dump-off passes. So you're liking his status. And Jamal Charles... You know, before San Diego really tightened the screws, he was getting off. He's five for thirty there, and, and like he was making chunk plays. And he still finished with ten for forty, so he still has four yards per carry, which for him is very bad. Yeah, but he's still getting around the edge and doing the things you want to do. Yep. Uh, and against Dallas, which doesn't play much defense, and it's just the sort of that conservative style, cover two, cover three, mix in a little bit of man, don't get beat deep, you know, play ball control defense, we'll let our offense run out the clock uh, so we don't have to play a lot of snaps. Great, but Denver Denver looked good. On also, do not buy on Benny Fowler. Yes, he got two touchdowns. It's a two-wide receiver team. Yeah, but he does look like the third wide receiver. We also saw a little bit of you know, other guys mixed in. But, but it is be, a two-wide receiver team. If you're team. looking at him fantasy-wise, he is going to be a nightmare of inconsistency. And he's going to be the Sammy Coates of this year. I, I agree, but that guy... But he like, didn't, get, like he didn't even do the Sammy Coates deep plays. It was I don't think short. he was a fantasy guy, but for that team... I, like I think he's good for the team. He's, he's, he, he, that was nice. All right, I think we're, uh, we're going to move on. Good. Nothing else to say there. I mean, Trevor Simeon's another QB2 back end, QB20 in ranks. Not going to be a guy who kills it, but uh, is going to be effective. And against Dallas, you're not worried about playing him. You're just not running to the, you know, running to the hills to play him. Now, have you got any video cameras, Dave? Sure. What's your budget? Budget. What do you mean? You need to bring in a budget. Like, how much do you want to spend? Do you want to print it out budget? No, I, I want to know how much money you want I've to spend. I've worked it all out. We haven't got much money. He's <laughs> <laughs> at a pawn shop. I, I mean, got it. I got it. You don't have to, you don't have to explain it. I think it's great. Good evening. I love you. I love it. <laughs> okay. Packers, got, Falcons, this is a good game. Big game on Sunday night. Um, we're gonna... Oh, Sunday night. Oh, God. <laughs> Especially because you did the microphone thing. Snags. No, that was just the the. the oh, oh, I was just trying to give it, it more. Uh, Got it. You know, more more nice. awesomeness. Nice. Oh, that was awesome. Um, what do we think here? This is two teams. 
that won. Uh, I think the Packers are looking pretty pretty. They had a tough matchup and came out on top. But we're going to Megatron's butthole for the first game ever at the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. What's going to happen, Stag Party? This is going to be a sh- It's got to be a shootout. It's, it's Aaron Rodgers versus Matt Ryan. Uh, if it's not, I'm going to be left disappointed. Fantasy owners will be left disappointed. But looking at each side of it, you know, Green Bay, yeah, the receivers might have some tough matchups. But Jordy Nelson seems to get it done against whoever he plays. He's a strong play. Uh, you know, How about that touchdown he caught? Yeah, it was sick. Just the perfect post pattern. It's like the same. how many years they've been doing it. Yeah, and you know Randall Cobb looked good. He looked like he was back, but also they ignored Devontae Adams, like we talked about last week. Uh, now maybe Devontae Adams sees a little bit uh, of Desmond Trufant. Maybe he sees that tough coverage again, and Jordy Nelson playing you know a little bit in the slot. You know, gets off of him, plays Alford, uh, and Randall Cobb looked great. You know, was moving after the catch. But I'm not starting Devontae Adams with any confidence this week. I think he's more of a wide receiver, three dart throw, touchdown dependent type. Well, isn't that kind of how he always is? And this is kind of the question that I have. When I look at that team, I look at the game plan that they went with last week. Devontae got seven targets. Uh, well, the Jordy got eight. Randall Cobb got 13 targets last week. Didn't we now, talk about this yes. a lot this offseason? But again, especially when, you're playing Se- but especially when you're playing Seattle, right? Yes. So when you have Richard Sherman, you have, you have you know... Him and Lane and, or whatever and, hate each other. And, and, and he's, you know, you're, Randall Cobb was the perfect... That was the perfect offense, defense for him to be playing to, to exploit. It would be kind of like if they were also going against Denver. It would be again. I would think that Randall Cobb would be a guy that would probably Chris be, Harris Jr. Okay, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to go there. I guess I brought it back up for you. I think but, Chris Harris Jr. can shut the fuck down of Cobb, and I think he can. And I don't want. I, I'm not trying to make what's his name Beasley sound, sound all world, but he's just quick and Dak can get him the ball. I'm looking but also at this, at this Atlanta defense. I like this Atlanta defense. I like this Atlanta defense a lot more at home. Than I do on the road on grass. Um, when I watched them live, it was okay. This was the Bears. The Bears looked very competent running an offense against them. They, you know, there were dumb bear things, but it wasn't anything that I'm like, oh, that was forced by the Atlanta defense. Text message-wise, the Bears are like, Bears are awesome. Second half was like, there are the Bears we know. <laughs> so with that being said, that's where it's like, look, there's also the whole thing about being that Super Bowl hangover. This is the game. It's easy for them to have been sleeping on the Bears, thinking that you're just going to win. Looking ahead. And that you're looking ahead and you've been planning to. Here's a statement game, and now it's a real statement game. Because if you could beat Green Bay, who just beat Seattle, now you're making an early claim to and also jumping up to 2-0 and and saying, hey, we are a Super Bowl contender once again. So... Um, it's Who do you think is win this game? I think, Green, I think Green Bay wins the game. Who do you think wins it? I sort of agree with Green Bay, but i got to check the spread. I'm, I'm going just... all Falcons. I'm not spread. I'm just saying win the game. I know. I'm, I'm going Falcons. Check. I think Falcons are going to... I'm more excited about watching. looking ahead. Yeah. They're like, Bears, all right, we got this one. Let's get... I think uh, I think the Falcons... But this is going to be a great fantasy matchup. I think it's going to be... The, I'm so glad it's a Sunday night game and it's an island game where I don't have to worry about, oh, I want to have a, this type... need to have two TVs so I can kind of focus... I want to focus all my attention on this game and I want, uh, you know, 
and this is a good one for me at least. My wife just wants to say, that, hey, it's Atlanta, watch the game. <laughs> oh, there you go, nice. Stag party, Ty Montgomery lover, uh, preseason. What are you feeling after one weekend? I know it's just one game, but you like you liking what you saw out of their usage and you think feeling like he's going to deliver what you thought this season? Maybe even better. Ty Montgomery played 90% of the Green Bay backfield snaps, and the snaps he didn't play were because he was on the sideline, you know, getting his hamstring yes. stretched out. Uh, you know, scored. He was the guy in the red zone scoring that short touchdown. There's nothing not to like about what you saw in week one for Ty Montgomery. Uh, so was that a hamstring then? Because I came back home from the Bear games and I like, turned on this game and I started watching and then I saw at the end where Jamal Williams ended up coming in because they were working on him on the sideline. Was that a hamstring that they were working on? Or was it a he's had, he had a hamstring in the preseason and it just looked like they were stretching him out and he was tight. So... And it came back just a few plays later. And so. cramping happens a lot in week one and week two. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so with this game, it's currently at a 53 and a half over under. It's it's a big one. Like you want it's a doozy. Like this is one of those games where you scream fantasy points and then you get fucking jerked off and you don't come. Uh the, <laughs> usually yeah. usually Basically usually, not even that I, I don't I don't if I don't come and I'm getting jerked off, it's still a win. This is more like <laughs> I'm I'm tired. <laughs> this, this is one of the potential of I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. This is one of those games for two months, honey. I'm just sleepy. Blue two, balls two days, all right? over it. Blue balls. I'm, all we're not in the Navy. <laughs> We've gone for two months. Uh, but time on everything you want to see. And we saw last week Tariq Cohen, Jordan Howard, you know, expose Atlanta's backfield, and his, Atlanta's backfield has given up. Since last year, the most fantasy points to opposing running backs in the passing game. So if they need to use Ty Montgomery a little bit more as a receiver out of the backfield, he should dominate there again. So he's a strong, strong start with that red zone usage, which that overall usage. Uh, the only guy you worry about fitting in is Martellus Bennett because we, we saw some targets to him. We saw some red zone usage. We just didn't really see it connect and with all the other players in this offense, is he going to get – he's probably going to have those one or two games where he gets 10 or targets. But other than that, it's going to be five, six targets, and you're guessing. Yeah, you're guessing, but at the same time, you're getting the, the, the typical floor for a good tight end. He got three catches for 43 yards. Look, tight ends, you're not normally expected you – know, we know how many thousand-yard tight ends are there. There's maybe three a year. So you're – you know – to get that, the, what, that's what, averaging that. 60 or 65 yards a game. So if he's getting you on a floor, 43, that's really not that bad. And again, think about the offense. Think about the defense they were playing against. They were playing against Seattle. It's a different defense. If it gets a, to be a shootout type of game, and we saw it, uh, we've seen it when Martellus was on the Giants. We saw it when he was on Dallas. We saw it was on the Bears. He's capable of having two touchdown games or just all of a sudden taking over for a series or two, and that's enough to give you that solid fantasy production that you're going to get from that tight end. I hear you, and I, you're certainly on point with that uh, assessment. But also think about Aaron Rodgers and the tight end position. It's pretty much they don't go hand in hand. Well, he has never really had a real tight end. It, What's it, the last tight end they ever had? It was Keith Jackson. Dude, 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 dude. 
Oh, if, that, was, if, that, was a, that was a personality. If the black check. unicorn was a real <laughs> tight end, do you think he would be on four teams over the last four years? He's not that great. He, well, he, he never was, was that, that great. great. He look would look. still be on Dallas. Look at he would still be on the, the Giants. Is this, he would still be on us, and he would still be on the team he's on last year. If he, if, okay, let me ask he's you not this. that great. Let me ask you this. If he had Martellus Bennett's ability and had... Who? Who's he? A mute's mouth. The problem is that he talks so much that he becomes a distraction for teams inside of the locker room. On the field, he's not great. Uh, look, three, look, look. Three games. I, I understand. Three years, three years. He's, right. he's, he's never going to... I'm not saying that he's a top-end tight end, but I'm saying he's definitely a top-ten tight end, and he's one of these guys that, look, he blocks, he does all the things that he needs to do. Why do teams get rid of him? Because he demands more money. He talks his fuck. He runs his goddamn mouth. The, look at all the benefits. They can't shut up. They're, they are so out there in the goddamn social media. They're a goddamn uh, NFL team's social nightmare. They're smart do I want to deal with it? Is, if, if, if I'm not a winning team, do I want to have him on my team? No. Patriots did. The Packers did. Why, if I'm why not a winning team, the Bears got rid of them, the Giants got rid of them, the Cowboys weren't winning when they got rid of them. If you're not a winning team, you don't need the distraction. That's what That's I'm fine. trying to tell you. I'll, I'll, he can bro, fit in Green Bay. That's fine. If if you ha- still had, and then let's move on. If Jared Cook was in Green Bay, is he worse than uh, than Bass? Yeah, probably. He probably plays less snaps. Okay. I mean, I agree with you. I think Ben is better, but is it the fact that you had to consider it is, well, no, is I, something that's it. Let's move on. Hey, uh, I, I, Ben, you know I like the Bennett brothers. I like that they're heady. Watch him get two touchdowns this week. Hey, he can do that. <laughs> no, he can. He can do that. There's no question about that. But he's not that great, or he, he would still be on the Cowboys. Um, let's go to the Falcons. Julio over Antonio Brown, week one. Doesn't look like a good pick by me. Uh, let's go. On. I, I, I'm not. I'm not backing off of it yet. Though. I'm not either. Dude. I mean, Le'Veon Bell did nothing in Week One. Antonio Brown is locked in, man. There's just nothing. Like his floor is so much higher than Julio's on a weekly basis, and now no doubt it's like, hey, we should just we should probably get gotten in, uh, Julio more involved there. Well, no fucking shit. But. You know, how often do they say it? How often is this? Two, two goddamn two times. Damn times yeah. And this is, remember Sark's first game? Did they target him in the red zone heavily? Did they do anything with Julio Jones' usage? That, Five targets in the game. That you saw that was, you know, great for Julio? They weren't overly targeting him. But this could be a week where he's just heavily targeted. I, mean, I think they well, don't you think that they have to target every week. Well, no, no, but don't you Eventually, think that it's also... That. Uh, I'm sorry for... the. Don't you think it's also the... Mohamed Sanu got nine targets last week. Julio got five. This is kind of one of those readjustment weeks. Like, okay, we we got the win last week, but let's let's set the world straight again. And Julio gets 15 targets this game. Sanu, we want you to be a great contributor. Also... But you're not going to win us games. The thing with Sanu is Chicago just plays a lot of, you know, deep... Man coverage, trying our deep zone coverage. They run cover six. 
They run lots of players into the second and third levels, which limits Julio's upside. And Sanu's just standing there wide open for nine targets. Like, it's not really saying much for Sanu to get nine targets in Chicago when all he's doing is running underneath crossing paths. Well, and the other thing is that Sanu with the nine targets, those were all secondary or tertiary reads. They, yeah. were, they were not primary reads. Let's move on from the wide receivers, unless you got something to say. Are you guys worried right now? Well, how about Taylor Gabriel? Because this hold is on, a game where I think Gabriel okay. can step up. Look, okay. it's, 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 boomer it's, bust, it's, wide receiver. It's five. a boomer bust. It's a gimmick yeah. type thing. But again, you're at home now. Uh, you're going to be playing on the turf. You're going to be hopefully highlighting you Julio to, Jones. Starting him. You know what? Yeah, if you're one of the people like me that got hit with an Allen Robinson injury or something like that, if I can pick him up and if I can plug you him in, you wouldn't rather play a Hearns. <laughs> God, I'd rather take Matt Ryan. You're talking about Matt Ryan versus Blake Bortles taking a guy who could throw for 330 yards versus a guy who's probably going to throw for 195. Yeah, I'll take my chances on the big play with Taylor Gabriel. Fair enough. Is anybody worried right now that Devonta Freeman had that dud of a game? That's fine. But the fact that Devin Coleman is almost getting as many opportunities and looks as he is in, in – are you guys worried about that? No. For Devontae's sake. No. Devontae's a, a, a second-rounder. No, I mean, maybe a little bit. First-rounder in some leagues. I'm, I'm not really concerned leagues. about it just because, you know, it's the coach's feeling out game. He hasn't worked with these guys on the field, so now let's see what Devontae does well. We'll see what Tevin does well. Now how can I attack defenses? So now, you know, Devonta Freeman, you know, maybe I'm going to give him a little bit more workload. Maybe he needs that a little bit of grease. To get going, and when you know if they could put up points, that's when Devonta Freeman really gets rolling. And we saw the red zone usage that's still there and not there for Tevin Coleman. So I, I like that, and Devonta Freeman p- pass catching, and it, it's all gravy. My thing with Tevin Coleman is, is if I'm a Devonta Freeman owner, I'm a little concerned, and I'm concerned of the uh, targets in the passing game, where Devonta gets two and Tevin gets six. That starts to be concerning because then if, if Coleman becomes the guy who they're really leaning on as that third down receiving back, then that takes Freeman off of the field. Whereas if it's at least an open competition, it almost kind of seemed like they were going series for series. They were. And that, and it's both of them in themselves are extremely scary because now, especially if you draft for Freeman. I think that's for Freeman. Because because Coleman was Tevin drafted. Was the 10th, 11th no, no, he was, pick. Not even. Well, he was drafted before that, but he, he was drafted 15, 15 to 20 running backs behind Devonta yeah. Freeman. So if you're invested in Freeman, the, the key with Freeman is going to be this. And this is going to be a good game to kind of find out. It's touchdowns. It's that red zone. They both were. Freeman's gotten, what, 14 touchdowns and 13 touchdowns in his first two years. So he's been that ultra productive back. This game seemed was kind of a weird game. The Bears kind of caught him napping in a lot of ways, and they just they were not crisp. And maybe it's the new offense. Maybe this goes back to, to that. But you have all these weapons here. How are you going to figure it out? And in this game, where it should be, we're going to need to try to put the you know play more in fourth and fifth gear than playing in first and second gear. Will Freeman be more active in the passing game? I need to see him if I'm a Freeman owner. Five targets in this game in the passing game, and then I'm going to feel okay. I, I don't feel bad. If I, if I get two, I'm going to get, I'm going to be upset now. I, I don't feel bad about Freeman in the passing game. I, I feel fine about it. We know he's sort of going to get his. Curious. The, the thing is, like ten curious. Twelve. 
so we're talking about Tevin Coleman's targets. What they're really trying to do. What they're really trying to do is just get him, you know, hey, take the screen and take the house. They're trying to get that big snap play from Tevin Coleman when your offense has been five play, five yards, five yards, seven yards, five yards. So they're trying to get that snap play that they got last year. So you're giving him those targets on the outside in a screen play, you know, in sort of the jet sweeps, in the carries to the outside, trying to break off that chunk play and get that momentum. So I, I, I don't, I'm not overall worried that Tevin Coleman suddenly got six targets. I'm not, I'm not either. Let's talk about the Hooper. Go, go to Hooper, and then we're gonna move to the last. Think, game. Here, here's the thing. Times. <laughs> wow, what a game! Two catches, 128 yards, but great stiff arm. Hold on, great stiff arm. The, the one, the, here's here's the good and the bad. The bad is that Hooper only had two targets on the game. <laughs> There's no way to go. The good that. is is what he's showing you, continuing what he did last year, which was extreme big play tight end. He is a receiver playing in a tight end position. He just doesn't get enough targets to, on, a, on a weekly basis to feel consistent about. But if he ever gets seven targets in a game, that game will be... You see what he can do on two. You know, And even... In, what was the average match? It was almost like 18 yards, 17 or 18 yards of reception. He was big-time plays because... He's not, again, he's the, the, the secondary, tertiary, what do you call the fourth option? Fourth option. He's deep. When the reads are there and then he breaks it down, he can make a big play. But he's never going to get, with all those weapons around him, you're not going to get the volume to be able to, to count on him on a consistent basis. Yep. Uh, I, I really can't disagree. The, the only thing is you're looking up and you're looking at, Tight ends that play a lot, that can get those dump offs, that can do things, and he played, you know, upwards of eighty percent of the snaps. You know, Levi and Toilolo last year used to play a lot more snaps than he did. He's really, really taking a bigger snap share, and they're going to be games when they need to get him more involved. And Toyolo was out there, but only had one target. The difference is this: Will they finally start to use him more in those shorter things and let him? Get him in that screen game. That would be interesting to see. And I think that they, as this develops, we'll see if Sarkeesian is smart enough to do it. Sarkeesian. Um, yeah. I, 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 nice. Amen. Let's see. This is gonna, That's a sweet game. Thank the maker. Uh, we'll know that's a lot more. That's the best more. game of the week. Yeah, and we'll know a lot more about two of the premier power numbers uh, fantasy football teams after that one. Hopefully... Uh, the uh, hopefully there's a high over on that one, a lot of scoring on both sides. Hopefully, Monday, it's, hopefully, hopefully it's not a high over. Hopefully it comes true and the over is blown away. That's what I'm saying. Hopefully they meet the over. Um, all right, let's go to Monday night, and the Detroit Lions are going against the New York Giants in New York. The Lions kind of started out a little bit lame um, in the last game, but then. Poured it on, yeah. and the Giants looked absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Second half of the game, not second half of the season. Staff, I guess. Um, holy crap! The lion. I mean, the Giants look. Ugh, is let's just start. Let's just start with the Lions. <laughs> but the Giants look so bad. All right, so let's talk about Kenny Galladay. Uh, yeah, you got it. 
overall, I'm not running out to you know jump on the waiver wire for Kenny Galladay. If I had a lower waiver priority, uh, needed a receiver, I could see it. But hey, if you lost Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay is probably a good way to go. Issues are he's still the third receiver in snaps. Uh, they want to get him involved. They're also using a little bit of TJ Jones, but it's more like 75% Galladay, 25% TJ Jones. Uh, they're running a lot of three wide receiver sets like the Giants did last year. That means great things for potential Kenny Galladay. The thing is, he's going to play outside receiver on this team with Golden Tate playing the slot, and his matchups are about to get rough. He's going to see guys like Janoris Jenkins this week. He's going to see other corners, and he's not going to be able to get open against. He's now going to have to prove it that he can get open against some of the premier corners in the league over the next four or five weeks. But the good news is, is that the way that he played, he out-targeted Marvin Jones, right? And well, Marvin Jones was also shadow covered by Patrick Peterson. Understood, but then also making the big plays down the stretch. And not just making one big play, but then making the ridiculous catch in the second one. And so, with that ability, this is what happens. is is The Lions have been waiting since they got lost Calvin Johnson to retirement for someone else to be a big playmaker. And Marvin Jones was signed coming over from Cincinnati because of like the three-touchdown game and, and the abilities that they have. But it was just not... There, Golden Tate's been very, very good, but just not that other level type of yeah. player. Galladay has some of that potential, and the and the thing is this: they kind of know they know they love Golden Tate. You know what you got there. They, Marvin Jones is kind of that more of that enigma. He can start eating into Marvin Jones, and if he this performance is going to get him more offensive snaps. I only think what was what was the percentage he was on? I only think it was like forty percent of the no, snaps or something like sixty percent of the sixty percent. Now look at that. Of 60. That can start getting into that being a floor for him and being at the 60 to 75 percent. At that point in time, and being the guy who's being used to take the top off with a quarterback like Stafford who likes to throw the ball deep. Look, he was doing it in preseason, and he had that two touchdown game. Then he disappeared for a couple weeks. This is a rookie, so expect that to happen as well. But he has this type of potential in him if the Lions are smart. And they start to, to just give him more opportunities and give him put him in chances to be successful. It could work out. And I, I like Galladay a lot. Here's the thing. I don't think he's such an uh, awesome player. They don't need to put him positionally in the... the he, is a, he, he makes things happen. He's not going to be a, a, a high-volume guy, but he's, he's not going to... Stafford's ready to go. You want to know why? You know, he, would you say that he's the kind of guy that like is forcing the coaching staff to reevaluate what their original evaluation was? I, I think they are. I think they, they like Mitchell Trubisky made the Bears go. We're gonna we're gonna bench him for the whole year. He's gonna be our number three quarterback, and then they watch him play and they go, okay, he's our number two quarterback. Scott Van Pelt interview. You guys watch it online, the That's online, it. and then offline. Uh, on on the TV and then offline, they, he did an interview and basically like Stafford's like he was a rookie all preseason. He's just like made a ton of mistakes and he's grown every week. La la, la. the guy's a stud. 
here's what I'll say. Here's who he reminds me of, and I haven't heard this from anyone else, but just watching this guy play, and I, I was saying Moss a couple times with a stronger body uh, during the offseason, but you know who he is? Chris Henry. Okay. Chris Henry from the, from the Bengals, Bengals died too early yep. without the baggage. This guy is elite. He is Chris Henry without the thugness baggage. He is a he's a sturdy guy. He's gonna keep on being awesome. But I I agree with as I uh, walked off to take a leak. Stag party's right. He's he's about to now he's on the radar. It's like now he's on the got radar, some he's on got the some matchups on it's the like, scheme plan. And now we see that what they're gonna do. Like Kenny Galladay, can he do more than run fades and run street patterns? Like prove all those like. We're talking about Martavis Bryant still needing to prove that. And when they give him a bunch of cushion, what else can he do? Because right. is he going to be a guy after the catch? Have we seen him do anything after the catch? Uh, have we seen – we've got to see the other parts of his game. Right. He's so just picking both, the catches in the end zone. To believe he's a true you know, elite threat. He needs a little bit more. Right. right? I love you saying that. But the touchdown catch he made, was the amazing. layout – is the best catch? Is Martavis Bryant gonna lay out like that? Have no. not seen it. How how many players in the league is, are literally gonna be parallel with the ground with their hands out and catch it? It's basically if Gronk had caught rookie. that, if Gronk had caught that pass, it was similar. Yeah, it was. But this was even more like literally like he caught it more with his fingertips. Some magic and carpet, like, and like just like. He uh, had the stick him on there just to, to, to keep that ball from falling. Not many players in the league. I'm not, no. not going to go over can make that and actually come down and score a touchdown. Damn right. I'm, I'm just worried about overall, no, yeah, overall targets. The rookie. Overall targets now getting – he's going to be up and down, now getting defensive attention. Theo Riddick still involved in the passing game. Amir Abdullah still involved in the passing game. And them saying that Let's they're going to... Let's go to those guys. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to go to. So, go what do you think I'm doing? Okay. So, Amir Abdullah getting, uh, you know, the boatload of carries, uh, but being in, uh, ineffective. And now he faces another staunch run defense in, in the Giants. And when you're not Ezekiel Elliott, can you wear these guys down? Can you wear JPP down? Uh, their offensive line looked great, but can you wear snacks down? Like, those guys wore down against Ezekiel Elliott and that power game. But can a team like the the uh, Detroit Lions do that? Because we saw them really, really struggle with the front in Arizona. So I like Theo Riddick better this week than I like Amir Abdullah. I think they're going to have to go with another aerial-type assault. And that could be tough for them with all these playmakers they have on the outside. I remember telling you in last week's podcast that I, the one, one of the few draft mistakes I made is not great. Going and getting Abdullah earlier from what we saw in the preseason. It looks like he's just never going to really chime in, please. I know that you guys know this. Doesn't look like he's ever going to be able to run. I don't mind him as a pass catcher, but they got the already. Doesn't look like he's going to be able to run in this league. I disagree. That was Arizona. Okay? The Cardinals are a stout front seven. Okay? The Giants are a good front seven, too. Okay. I understand. Okay. But go on. For life. But the fact people. is, what do you get? He got 15 carries. He didn't do much with them. But he's getting the carries. And when you have Theo Riddick, you have Dwayne Washington. You don't have that many guys that you can really count on to give the ball to consistently otherwise. So he's going to get his carries. And he has big playability. Look, he's been dealt with the injury. But we still, 
What? Yeah. Oh, Ronnie. That's As a runner? I yes. Okay. I, I definitely I see it. Look, part of it has to be about developing the offense and getting everything the way it needs to be, but he has the potential. He's going to have matchups. He's going to have games where he's going to just blow up. If he continues, the thing that will start to worry you if you're an Abdullah owner, which I am, I have own shares. I'm not. I am. I regret it. I'm saying I love the fact that he got as many touches as he did. They're giving him all the opportunities, and he's the main guy. If it gets to a point where there's a game against a half-and-half or a so-so middle-of-the-road defense, and he's only getting 10 or 12 carries in that game, then I start getting concerned. The problem is there's not many games on his schedule where he plays soft front sevens right now. So looking forward, foreshadowing, like the schedule's tough. And for a guy who doesn't have elite touchdown volume, he doesn't have elite pass-catching volume because of Theo Riddick, you worry about the overall upside on a weekly basis. You're playing. You're basically playing a safe four play with no upside right now. Right. There but could be games where that changes through injuries to other front sevens and through you know development of their own offensive line. But I also don't know if Jim Bob Cooter's any good at calling a run game. Well, this may that may, that may be the point. But at the same time. We also need to see where he gets off early, and, and do they continue then to ride the hot hand, or are they going to discontinue to to do the thing? Eventually, you got to get off, right? Like well, that's, you, that's the, the part. Or you're getting jerked off and not coming. I don't know. <laughs> we were excited that he got the touches and the carries. I think we knew that he was going to get those. I just didn't know. I I didn't. I didn't. I knew he was getting the volume. He just didn't do anything with it. That's I understand, but again, it was Arizona, so okay. I'm not going to put it together. <laughs> One fan base ways to increase the American fan base. What fan base? The fan base of the band. Well, you mean Mel? Mm. It's not a fan base. It's just a woman. Yeah, but I'm, I'm calling it fan base from now on. It's just easier when I call because you, you know you say, "Oh, the fan will be there." Just you know, they can tell there's only one person. I'm trying to make it look bigger. It's a base. Put base on the end of it. Ebron. After seeing what's going on and seeing this uh, uh, offense, what are you, are you digging? What's what's happening with? The I mean, I don't really like him right now. You know, the targets weren't there. You know, he's playing snaps. He didn't get much involved in the red zone or anything. There wasn't anything that stood out about the game. And, and now he has to go up against a safety like Landon Collins. So, Trubs. like, if I'm an Ebron owner, I'm not starting him with any. Confidence, uh, and eh, I, I, I could see myself diving into the waiver wire, seeing what's available, seeing if there's a Charles Clay, a Kobe Fleener type who might have a little bit more upside this week. Right now, he's part of the streaming mix yeah. until he shows more. And if they're really just going to be a wide receiver, target heavy offense, then that gives you trouble for Eric Ebron. He's going to be out of town quicker than you could say it. Here's the one thing I'll say, just eye test, it's not even on the field. You know I'm not a big Ebron guy. I, I, I love that you're right, his stats have kind of almost doubled every year, but I just, I just not a big fan. But sideline, hanging out with Galladay, hanging out with the team, he feels like a guy that knows he's not the guy. Like, he's literally, like, just watching him. Time has out. passed him by. Just, no, it's just like his opportunity he's, like, of, 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 he's still a part of, major part of the team. No, but, but I'm saying his like, opportunity, his time opportunity to be a star. From the, the way, was he a first-round pick or was he a second-round pick? First, oh, yeah. First-round number 10 or something, right? 10. So 
You come in, you have this. said eight for two years in a row. So he, no, he, ten. He, I got it, ten. He has, this, <laughs> he has this aura about him thinking is that now he sees all these other people come and go and that no one's paying attention to him anymore. So. And he kind of knows it. That's what I'm saying. It's, 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 it was like, hey, I'm still here. I'm going to have my breakout. But I think at this point, it's like, I'm just not that great. I don't know if he's saying that, but I, I, see, I think they're I saying see, that about him. I see that from him on the sidelines. It's just like... The golden boy who doesn't have the confidence I just don't anymore. think he's got the confidence. He's never really happened. What does he have? Two touchdowns? Well, that's tough too, right? Two touch- we talk about zero touchdowns yeah. from Savage. He's got, I think, two touchdowns in the NFL. And the worst part no, is... he had a five-touchdown season. When you're a guy who gets drafted number okay. 10 overall in a draft, Maybe that means that you have been the best player at your position. You've never run into any type of obstacle whatsoever. And now he's running into obstacles, and he's not a guy that can overcome them as well as other other players. Marvin, Galladay, it's like, okay, these guys are going to get more targets than me. Uh, yeah, let's go on to the next side. This is our last game, and we can... Dropping the goo on Wiggity Week 2. Here's the problem. If you're an Odell Beckham owner, it's a Monday night game. You need another Monday night player to back him up if he's not going to be out there. You need Sterling Shepard. You need to take a zero on Brandon Marshall. You need maybe a Kenny Galladay off the waiver wire to back him up. Uh, Because, you know, it's going to be one of those decisions that comes up to game time. And they might say, hey, Odell's not ready yet. It, we'll get him a longer week's rest because, you know, he's not playing on this Monday night. So that, that scares me. Paul Perkins, you know, nothing. Uh, Orleans Dark will look like the better runner. Uh, Shane Marines definitely. Is he a good pickup? Because I was even thinking before week one, like, no. looking at their, their – okay. Pick looking up Shane their... Marine. Like, they're going to just have to throw it. This team might have to throw it, like, 700 times this season. <laughs> and the, the part is, like, everybody's blaming Eli's, you know, offensive line for being awful. He got sacked, like, three times. He was just fucking bad. Yeah, but his offensive line is not good at opening holes for any running back. Yeah, either. that's fine. But Eli, Eli, ignore those runners. Let's be honest. Eli, fantasy-wise, we're running about four years where everyone thinks because... Uh, three years because of o- 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 OBJ and other reasons because he's a two-time champ. He's not good. He's been, he was good for fantasy-wise for two years. But last year a, he was awful. But last year was awful. But look, this if, is a while ago that he was good. We right? need, we need last, to, two years ago he was good. I still think you need to wait and judge him this year until OBJ is out there with Brandon Marshall, with Sterling Shepard, and everything. Look, I'll agree. Brandon Marshall looked like dog shit. Okay. He didn't. He wasn't beating anyone down the field. He wasn't. He wasn't uh, doing any of the things that we saw him do here in Chicago toward the you end of his. See the attitude even yeah. through the visor. which is which. Which I totally understand. But the thing about Eli is this: Eli is not a quarterback that you can count on to start on a weekly basis. But if you're looking for that backup within with a God forbid, and if you're in a league that doesn't have the extra benefit for rushing yards, like I'm in a league like that where it's just all total yards for a quarterback, Eli's not a bad option. Okay. He, or he becomes it's a streaming type of a player so because the one thing about Eli is this: he'll still give you probably a 400 yard Sam game Bradford. this year. He'll yeah. give you. He'll give you a. I'd rather have a Sam Bradford all day long. A hundred percent. I'd rather have Goff. I don't know. You're judging that against Indianapolis's defense. I'm not jumping on that bandwagon yet. I'd still rather have Eli Manning than have Jared Goff. I, I, I just think that's like ridiculous. The weapons. I like the offensive coach. I like just the the momentum. Doesn't seem like. Well, well, you're right. I am basing that on that. 
So let's go on. Let's go up. Eli, I think, is unstartable unless you're in uh, uh, super flex or uh, Duke UV League. Uh, but I, I mean, Detroit was pretty good at getting pressure. We didn't think they'd have the edge rushers to get pressure, and they seem to do it against Arizona. We'll see if they can continue that sort of pressure off the sides because that's really going to affect Eli Manning because those tackles are just getting destroyed. For the Giants. And their secondary did a hell of a job, too, with three interceptions against Carson Palmer. Uh, yeah, and Eli, you know, pretty good at taking care of the ball against the Giants or against uh, the Cowboys. But uh, overall, I don't really want to start any of the Giants. Maybe you can start Evan Ingram. But that's, that's sort of the desperation. No, but I like Evan Ingram in the sense that, look, he has a rookie. We were, we were thinking about what's it going to be. He got five targets, got four of them. Looked very good. Looked like he, he is that receiving type of a, of a guy. And they're putting more faith in him. Like, I literally feel so much better about starting Evan Ingram than I do about Brandon Marshall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt. He's a younger, better version of him. Yeah. Well, uh, not a different position, but completely just he's, he's Brandon Marshall is, is... He played a lot of... You're, you're, you're betting on name at that point in time. But here's a guy that has young skill. Fellas, any last any last comments that we want on this game? If not, we're about to listen to more of these same. I got, I got one, New I, England, right? I got one, I got one comment. New England, right? New Zealand. I always come back to Outback because they always have new dishes, like the Victoria's Crown Fillet, a nice tenderloin topped with a horseradish crumb crust. Yeah, that'll get you to come back. Think about this. Outback has boomerangs. When you throw boomerangs, they come back. Both times I was thrown out of Outback, I came back. I've been thrown out of Outback. Have you? No. no. I've never been in an Outback. I've only been in Outback four times and I got thrown out once. What the fuck were you doing in Outback? Drinking a lot and we went there at the end of the night. Too many blooming on me. I didn't, <laughs> like shrimp in the I didn't, I didn't like my blooming. I said, throw it on the body. <laughs> Guys, who's the music? Oh, we already talked. We already talked. What, what kind of beer, beer you drinking? No, well, what kind of beer you drinking? I started with uh, New Bells from Voodoo Ranger and I uh, moved to Guinness. Nice, I like that. Stone Ripper, and I started out with one of a New England, uh, a nice little New England uh, pale style pale ale, India pale ale from Epic Brewing, new company out of Boulder. Guys, well, hold on. I still got to tell you about the music. So the opener for them was Bowie in Space. Bowie in Space. And we're going to end with Hip Hop Hippopotamus and Ryan Monoceros. And? Yes, it's the hip hop eponymous and the rhinoceros. Stag right songs is two songs. It's one song with a name with and in it. Can't do that. I can do anything. Hey guys, we love you. Week two. Subscribe, rate, share, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Pyro yeah, yeah, Pro, yeah. go have sex with Follow us on Twitter, Pyromaniac, P Y R O M A N, the number 1AC.com. Holla for it out. We love you guys. Shutting it down. And we kept it at three hours. Ish. Woo. Ish, ish. Ish. Go for it. You better watch out. You don't really know who you're dealing with. Oh, really? I know exactly all we're dealing with. I'm the mother... Rhinoceros, 
my beats are playing, the buzz is around my back and I'm horning. I'm horning. If you choose to proceed, you will indeed conceive. Kiss, I hit you with my foot, the wild rhyme will stand I'm not just wild, I'm trained domesticated. I was raised by a rapper and rider that dated and subsequently procreated. That's how it goes. Here's the hip hop hippopotamus. The hip hop hippopotamus. My lyrics are bottomless. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.